Rabbit. Good morning. Morning, morning. Grabbing my links. All right, we got about thirty seconds or so before we go live on Kiss. How's yes. your Friday? Good. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. I'm missing the little light of lighting up the flag in the background. I think that looks so cool when you have that on. Oh, yeah. Let me turn it on. Hold on. <laughs> All right. We have 30 seconds. Oh, you can do that from your chair. It's impressive. It's a clap on, clap off. The clapper. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I always wanted a clapper. I was really upset that I never never got one as a kid for my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, that looks nice. Is that just like a blue, like it looks like a, um, like a crystal ball? Yeah, it's a colored globe, so I can do like tons of... Uh, That's neat. I have a remote with tons of different colors and I can have it cycle through colors and... Ooh. Yeah. All right, here we go. Cool. Stand by. <clears throat> Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thank you. You are welcome. What do you got for us this morning for headlines? Um, yes, we've got a few things. Um, kids at Cayman Bay causing a little bit of mischief. Yeah, what's going on over there? I thought they, then they used to have, I read your story. Mm -hmm. um, they used to have like the security guards with the, the, the Mounties over there. You know, the, the Mounties. Hats. Yeah. <laughs> what all those people? So um, the police have joined forces with those security guards to say that essentially uh, they will be, um, you know, enforcing, uh, you know, just compliance really with um, rules because a lot of the kids are engaging in antisocial behavior that is risky and dangerous not only to themselves, but also to the good patrons and businesses in Caymana Bay. So what are they doing? Down. Well, you um, said um, throwing chairs in the, in the, in the sound and uh, running uh, golf carts into uh -huh. and smashing them into things like commandeering yeah. golf carts. And I don't like know. from the, from dart, like I guess the so. ones that they drive around there. Yeah. That they yeah. Leave easy I, there? I doubt they own their own golf carts, but yeah. And they're, um, <clears throat> you know, doing all kind of stunts on like bikes and stuff like that. I've seen the kids um, do the do the the bike thing, which I think is fine for them. But yeah. there is that little area over by the bridge that's like the dirt by the um, the helicopter pad and the, you know, you could kind of go over there. I don't know. Yeah, just not in like front of where you could run into someone that's running, like mm. my kid who will run out in front of your bike because they still don't understand how uh, objects in motion move. So what's what's changed over there? Is it is it just less less attention to Kamana Bay as a whole? Um, or, I honestly think it's just the parents allowing yeah. their kids to just go out and do whatever and less parental supervision. Mm. I mean, how old are the kids? Are they teenagers? So yeah, I think most of these kids are, are early teens up to young adults, probably. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, we I, I'm not trying to defend their behavior. I just remember, you know, me and my friends, you know, you kind of try to push the boundaries when you were younger. We used to run around at the mall. This is kind of like the mall that is like their mall, but it's not. We were never like doing destructive behavior of throwing things in. Let's listen, I, I, know somebody that, that. I know somebody that lives there and they don't mm-hmm. go out at night anymore because, especially mm-hmm. on the weekends, because mm-hmm. it, they, they like... In, it's been that bad. Words, yeah. Oh, okay. They so run I, rampant and terrorize the place. Well, that's a little bit different. We did not run rampant and terrorize places. We just uh, loitered at the mall. Yeah. That was what we did. Yeah, we this, were this is, yeah this is a different situation. Yeah. Now, that um, two men were struck by a vehicle um, <laughs> after a social media dispute uh, escalated to what? a face-to-face fight, according to the RCIPS. So some men were um, having some sort of a dispute on social media. One decides to drive up to the um, other person's, I guess, place of residence. And then um, they they had a physical fight and they got into an altercation. And then a vehicle, when they went to speed off, the sedan ran into two of the other men who had kind of joined into the fray. And one sustained a broken leg. And the other one um, had bruises and uh, lacerations to his one of his legs as well. So emergency wow. services, yep. Terrible. Had to attend the scene and the two men were, were transported to the hospital for treatment. And so as a result of that, the police have now arrested a male age 17 from Northside on suspicion of causing fear and provocation of violence using an ICT network. And um, so that should be interesting. He has been granted bail so far. So we'll see where that case goes. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Over, uh, over, well, so, you know, you see that spilling over. It's just a smaller island where, you know, you can yeah. see something online and know who the other person is that you're arguing with. But wow. and, um, in other not, news, use words, people use your words. It's what I tell my kids. Yes. And in other news, the police um, have arrested a man who they say attempted to to rape a woman, to sexually assault a woman, um, ripping her clothes off. I mean, when I was reading it, I was thinking, oh, my God, this is horrific. But apparently they are known to each other and he starts like ripping her clothes off and all this sort of stuff. So now they have not only arrested him, the incident happened on Tuesday, they've also charged him. And he appeared in court yesterday for his first mention. Mm. Terrifying. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep an eye on, on all of those stories for you folks and so much more traffic advisory. Just a reminder, this weekend is Badabanu. So, um, if you are out and about, uh, do be mindful of the route that uh, they will be taking and the police will be assisting them and hopefully having a safe and enjoyable parade for, um, those who are interested. So yeah. there's a Friday night set in central Georgetown. Mm-hmm. That one starts at 8 PM. And um, it goes until 7.30 a.m. So motorists are asked to avoid the section of North Church Street between Fort Street and Mary Street. And then there's the actual um, parade on Saturday from 12 p.m. until 6 p.m. And it takes the route of the Esterly Tibbetts Highway north of Lime Tree Bay Avenue. So that's like behind Cashew Less. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to be used as a starting area for the parade. How can so, you party till 7 a.m. and then get back, get on the road and start <laughs> jumping? <laughs> they do. I don't even think I would have had that energy in my 20s. Mm, yeah. I don't know. And I'm just barely uh, in my 30s. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, DMS Broadcasting uh, proud sponsors of Bottom Anu, and we'll be leading yep. the parade with our radio station vans. Very exciting. So, that'll be cool. So happy Bottom Anu and happy Mother's Day to everyone. Awesome. Right. Yeah, we'll probably do a little bit of live streaming because people like to sit back and watch it too. Like a lot of people don't attend, but they, they yeah. like to watch the show. Yeah. 
Um, and, and hydrate. Remember that word. Mm-hmm. Hydrate, yeah. hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. So, yeah. vodka and sodas. <laughs> yeah. Water, soda Guys, water. have a good one. Have fun. Yep. Bye. We'll catch Bye-bye. Sam's show now on uh, Bobo 89.1 FM. All right, folks. Gotta, gotta sometimes kick them out of my studio. I'm like, hey, we gotta get moving, folks. Showtime in 15 seconds. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Need to get that frog out of my throat. My goodness. Peppermint, sorrel, ginger, beaver grass, or English. Get it ready. Your morning tea just got hotter. Ooh, honey child. On the cold hard truth, Bobo 89.1 and Cayman's number one talk show are bringing you morning talk like no one else. Monday Rewind, Impact Wednesdays, Caribbean Connections, and much more. Don't miss a beat with what's happening in the local community. Just keep sipping your tea. What a mess. Here's your host, live and direct from the Cayman Islands, Sandy Hill. Beautiful people, happy Friday, May the 6th. We're going to kick off this show here shortly. Um, so, how is everyone? Happy Friday. Everybody's good? Friday to me is just normally another day, really. <laughs> Why do we love Fridays? I guess some people have the weekends off. There are those of us who don't really differentiate between weekends and the rest of the week. Um, good morning to Miss Virtuous. Good morning, Marshall. So I had someone who listens to the program on radio and they were saying, Miss Sandy, um, how do I comment on the show? Like, I don't want to call in, but I'd like to send in a comment. Well, you have to be, um, just so people understand how it works. We are live on social media every single morning as well. And uh, you can comment right there and we read your comments. So that's Facebook and, uh, YouTube. But of course, you've got to have a, you can watch Facebook or YouTube because they're public pages without necessarily having a Facebook or YouTube account. So you can watch the video of the show. But in order to comment, it is required that you have a show. I mean, you have a show that you have an account. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. So that's several ways. You can also call into the program, which we encourage. Don't be shy. Uh, 936-BOBO is the number for that. And alternatively, you can call in via WhatsApp. So I know sometimes you don't always have a lot of credit. And um, what else can you do? You can uh, WhatsApp message us. So some people want to send in messages that way as well. So yeah, multiple ways of reaching us. Uh, Marshall, good morning to you. Good morning to Olivia. Diamond Princess is here. Buenos dias to Miss Rita. Ervelyn, thank you so much for joining us. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Louis says TGIF, Sandra and the CMR Massive. Uh, let's have a great day and a safe weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all male and female that play that role. So Mother's Day is coming up, folks, on Sunday. So hopefully you've got uh, your situation sorted out for your special mom. Whoever's played that role, I agree with Louis. Sometimes it's not always your biological parent, um, but a lot of people step up and play mother, yeah, in a real serious way. So KK says, who is he, Sandra, the one from Northside? Um... (laughs) I don't have a name yet, but funny enough, 
someone was kind of like telling me a little bit about it. Um, hold on, I, I think they might, they may have given me a name actually. Hold on, let me see. Uh huh. So this person was involved in the situation and this was their, their comment. Um, they said the little criminal Christopher Miles and his mother came there with other people and uh, harmed uh, a guy over some little girl. Wow. So two people got hit down and also damaged a vehicle as well. And he's only been charged with, why isn't he charged with um, ABH and stuff? For, I wonder who's driving the vehicle. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get some more details on that. Because that sounds like a, a bit of a hot mess. So I think more charges may be coming. So yeah, what a mess. Social media wars um, spilling over into the real world, right? Good morning to Gina. How are you? Uh, Kimmy says, good morning, Sandy and the Cayman Islands. Have a blessed day and weekend and stay safe. Happy Mother's Day to all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Virtuous also sending Mother's Day greetings to everyone. Good morning, Mitzi from Northside joining us. Miss Beulah, good morning to you. Hello, Felicia. Hello, Miss Bonnie from East End. Maria, where are you at the moment, Maria? I think you were overseas recently. She says that she's watching in TGIF. Alicia's got it locked. Dawn is also here. Uh, KK says social media gangsters. Mm. Yeah, I don't know who Christopher Miles is. The name sounds familiar, but it's also a pretty common name, right? Good morning, Senor Luis. How are you? So we got a lot to talk about here today. Before we get into any real, um, you know, sort of substantive conversation, let me uh, say a couple things. First of all, I want to thank the governor again for coming on the program yesterday. That was his first time actually coming on the Cold Hard Truth. We had interviewed him before, like we've done pre-recorded, several pre-recorded interviews. And of course, anytime we see him at an event, we tend to get a little comment from him. But it was quite wonderful to have him join us on the Cold Hard Truth. I mean, this is K-Man's, and I'm not trying to brag or you know pat myself on the back, but it is K-Man's number one talk show, and we actually have independent <laughs> information that confirms that was the case even last year, even before we were on radio. And so, you know, my thing is, if you are a public servant or you know government official, and you wish to reach the people, you should be going to the platforms and the forums that the people are listening to, and not um, trying to get the people to find you, right? So I, I he was willing to come on. We extended the invitation and it was easy as pie really to, um, to arrange it. And so I'm very, very grateful for him also being open to any questions. A lot of people who come on as guests think that this show, um, this is the number one question. Oh, can you send the questions? And I'm like, what questions? <laughs> I'm like, we don't, we don't write questions in advance. Like I don't go into an interview with questions written down. That's not how it works. I think it it works so much better when everything is just free flowing. You know, we have a general idea of the topics that we're going to talk about. And then as we're having the discussion, the questions are formulated in my head. Like I literally think on the fly. And so, you know, his office wasn't like, no, 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 we need to have questions in advance. They're like, oh, sure. You know, I kind of gave him some general ideas. I knew people would want to ask him questions about naturally crime in the Cayman Islands is always a hot button topic for any person in a leadership position in this country. Um, 
and he came on and he answered all of your questions. There was nothing that he refused to answer. And I thought that that was very good of him, very, very open and transparent. And there was a few of his responses, to be honest, that I was a bit surprised that they were as open and as uh, provided quite a bit of information. So um, again, thank you to uh, the governor and his office for um, accommodating that. So on yesterday's program, we also um, were talking about the little scammer alert situation. Now, the lady, um, I want to give you guys a bit of an update because I think it's important to get a much fuller picture of a situation. And as I, as I know more and as I get more information, believe me you, the more I am convinced that my initial instincts and then my conclusions yesterday um, are so on point. You know, it, it's just amazing how, uh, how it just all comes together in a very, very fascinating way. And the one thing I really appreciate about the Cayman community, and I want to say thank you to all of you, is you guys are really, really proactive. You sit here and you listen to the program, but you're going to call me after the show. You're going to find my number, 324-1612, really easy. I don't hide my number. You're going to find it and you're going to call me and you're going to tell me, Sandy, this is my experience. This is what I know. This is what's going on. And I appreciate that. So yesterday, all day yesterday, I continued to get messages and calls even after the show about um, this lady who's staying on the beach, who says that she, you know, is homeless and whatever. So now we have a full name and we know who she is. Now we know who, who her husband is because a lot of people are like, oh, I think he's from West Bay, but I'm not really sure. Now we know exactly who he is. And yeah, child, he's a bear. He's from West Bay. Um... People are calling me. Oh, I know her very, very well. It's three sisters that came here from Jamaica and they give me the whole rundown child. And they're like, if you want any more tea, you know where to find me. Here's my number. And I was like, oh, honey child, I'll be calling you later. Um, and I spoke to an MP. And what I want to say is apparently this lady has been riding this gravy train for many, many years. It, it is just, um, you know... It's it's amazing. And you, you can only fool people for so long. This is a thing about life, right? You can only pretend to be something for so long, but you know, your true colors always come out or the true story is always revealed. And as it turns out, she has kind of been scamming MPs for a really, really long time. So, you know, she doesn't even, I don't even think she lives in Bodentown. My understanding is her residence for years has been in the district of West Bay where her husband's from, which would probably make logical sense. But she will go to, um, you know, MPs and other places and say, for example, let's take Bodentown as an example. Oh, I'm going to be moving to Bodentown, so I'm going to be a voter. And, you know, maybe that entices them or maybe they're just legitimately trying to help. Or I feel sorry for MPs because they, they, get, they get the beggar, beggar people a lot. Um, oh, you know, I, I, I need some money. Um you know, I'm just like, it, it, it is It is disturbing on so many levels that they are taken advantage of. And so sometimes when they themselves, um, you know, do certain things such as, uh, you know, things that we don't agree with, but nonetheless, they, they, you know, get involved in things, get kickbacks, that sort of thing. I understand that the people themselves don't really get how they play a role in that. And that's unfortunate 
And it's really, really sad because for every single dollar you beg for from an MP, right? Which is, that's their salary. And that's less money that they're going to have to pay their bills to meet their family obligations, et cetera, et cetera. That is $1 more that I can assure you that they will be getting from somewhere else. Now, some of them have legitimate businesses. Some of them may be trying to go without and have other people in their family pick up the slack for the bills and obligations that they have. But y'all need to stop the bigger, bigger lifestyle. Honestly. And some people make it a profession to beg people. To me, you know, there was a time when, especially Caymanians had so much pride that we didn't want to go around begging people. We were like, no, that's not who we are. You know, you got up, you worked, what what did it say, by the the sweat of your brow? You worked hard. Some of y'all played hard. That's fine. You know, but you weren't into going around begging anybody, much less MPs. But I must say that some MPs over the years have indulged in it. They've encouraged it to a certain extent. And that's why some people have stayed in office for as long as they have. Given out all sorts of stuff. And it's not just election time. Because we know then the refrigerators and the sofas and everything else be heavily flowing. But it's also um, other times as well. So she's been running this, this little scam side, side hustle for quite a while. MPs have been giving her money. They've been buying her boat engines because a few months back they claimed that the boat, because they apparently have one or two boats, uh, that, you know, somebody stole the boat engine. A boat engine, not cheap, you know? I'm just like, somebody stole your boat engine. The first person you would go to is an MP. I understand she was getting the stipend money from the tourism stipend. The husband probably was getting it too. You know, it's these sorts of things that to me, I'm just like, y'all need to stop. So more and more story was revealed. Um, We do know that she used to work at the HSA. And I'm told that um, she apparently, uh, you know, her name is Jeannie Banks, by the way. She apparently... um, (laughs) told the HSA that she had some kind of reaction to the chemicals or something or another. And so as a result of that, she could no longer work. And my sources tell me, now I'm going to just give it to you as cheap as I got it, that she got some kind of settlement money out of them as well for that. Um, They settled and gave her some $50,000 settlement or something. So this is a woman that has had money in her hands, folks. Make no, no bones about it, right? Uh, you know, those of us who are hustling, we're out here working, you get your little monthly money from either a salary if you work for somebody else, or if you have a business, you're able to pay some of your bills. Uh, nobody not dropping no $50,000 in my head, no settlement over something. And I'm not going to no MPs begging for money. Plus you got boats out there, you're fishing, you're something. It's just like the the side hustle is, is it's just too much, right? And no one is going to take um, sympathy for you when this happens. Even even if you're now in a genuine situation of need, you put yourself there. But I don't believe that you are. I believe you're still trying to scam the system. And MPs have said, listen, for years this woman will come. 
with all the grandchildren, all the children, everybody, and everybody got their hand out. Everybody must get money, must have their palm grease with money. When, when you are a real person in need, that, that's not what you do. You know what I'm saying? Little kids that are in primary school, you don't, you don't teach them. You don't have them bring them along to the begathon and be like, yeah, you put out your hand to at the age of five, six, seven, eight, whatever, teaching these children to beg from people. That's not the Caymanian way. That's not who we are. Now, of course, she's imported in. So we know that she's from Jamaica. And even a guy here, Caymanian Jamaican, says that woman makes Jamaicans look bad. That's why Jamaicans have a bad reputation. Well, yes, the truth is what it is. Um, and my Jamaican brothers and sisters will know to take no offense to this. But there are certain people in the community, just like came, certain Caymanians, that engage in behavior that make us all look bad. And we're going to talk about some of those youth offenders here in a second. And they make everybody look bad. So Ms. Jean um, started calling me yesterday. By the way, remember how I told you guys that she initially said that um, she needed me to call her before I came and saw her because um, she had an appointment to see MP uh, Dwayne Seymour. Well, y'all know CMR got sources. And so y'all would know that we had to verify that story. And there's no truth to that. She didn't have an appointment to go see MP Seymour. He don't know nothing about it. So the little lies, I think, will reveal themselves, and they certainly reveal who you are as an individual when you have to engage in the lies. So by yesterday afternoon, she started blowing up my phone. All of a sudden, she was calling me. I was like, uh-huh. So I said to her, she said, oh, I thought you were going to come see me. I said, oh, you want to see me now? I said, well, I'll, I'll get to you, but, you know, I already, have a, I already have a very good picture of what's going on here. I wonder if we called her this morning, if she would speak to us and just tell the people the truth. I don't need to necessarily see you one-on-one. -on -one. The people are wondering what your real story is. You think, you think she would engage us right now if we called her on the phone? The other lie that I now know that she told, several people said to me, um, but Sandy, you reported on her daughter and one of your stories about some thieves from Kimana Bay. And I said, oh, I did? So I had to go digging up in my archives to find that story. And of course we found it. And I was like, oh, you see, there's so many Ebankses in Cayman child. I can't keep up with that bunch over there. So everybody's an Ebanks coming out of West Bay. So you don't know which Ebanks is which and whatever. So when you hear that, it's like Smith, you know, in the U.S. or whatever, it's such a common name that it could be anyone. So as it turns out, her daughter, um, I think the name's Jessica. You guys might remember this. Remember these, these shoplifters? And this is where now you know when she was telling, remember I was telling you guys yesterday how when the English lady said to her, oh, Miss Sandy um, from Cayman Mall Road, she claims to have never heard of Cayman Mall Road. And she claims to also have never heard of me. Now, you know, you know, I already told y'all yesterday that that had to have been a lie. That was impossible. Now I know a thousand times more that it would have been impossible because your daughter was featured on Cayman Mall Road. How you gonna know that that how you how how is it possible that you've never even heard of Cayman Mall Road when your daughter was featured in multiple stories? Here's the headline: 
This is when they were sentenced to community service back in January of this year. So her daughter is um, Jessica Ebanks. And if my memory serves me correctly, Jessica is the one, yes, Ebanks has upwards of eight convictions for theft and was on bail at the time of these Caymana Bay offenses. And one of the parents of these children, now I don't want to say it was her because to be quite frank, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the mothers called me. I can't remember if it was Jessica or Whitney, but it was one of the, it was one of the female um, shoplifters. Their mother called me with some sob story about how, you know, her daughter has children. At first they were claiming they didn't do it. And this, that, and the next thing. And I said, well, your daughter should be the one concerned that she has children, not me. <laughs> I mean, if you got children, then you don't engage in certain things and certain activities. And I love when they say to me, you know, when people not got no sense. They're like, well, you remember now you've got a daughter too. And I said, yes, I do. And that's why every single morning I get up and I work hard and I try to set a good example for her to demonstrate to her that there's certain things in life that you just don't do or that you do do, right? So yes, I've got a daughter and that's my responsibility. That doesn't mean because you have a daughter and you've not taught your daughter the right things in life or your daughter just making really poor decisions that somehow that has anything to do with me and my daughter. They, they, they just left it through. Well, you got a child too, you know? Okay. And your point is everybody has to do, you know, their part and you start with your own family and your own children. And if we all focus on that, I'm not here over here neglecting my children and then talking about your children. No, no. I'm holding my five and a half year old very much accountable for her actions. Mm-hmm. So um, it's so interesting. I think her daughter's the one in the black, the, the pictures here, I believe. And I think this other young lady up here might be the Powell. I don't even know, Chell. But um, yeah, y'all need to get it together. You know, uh, stop, stop scamming people, I think, is the, is the um, end game. So the department, yeah, government even had to issue a statement about this because so many of y'all were up in your feelings about this. So they sent out a statement yesterday um, saying, let me just see if I can find this statement again, that they were dealing with the situation and they were aware of it. And, um, you know, they can't speak to anything individually, essentially, but this was something that they were working on. Let me just see if I can find this email. Um, you know, yeah, good, good for government. I mean, I'm glad that they, I suppose, responded, but you know, again, the community sees a situation. We don't always know what it is, but I feel like it's our responsibility to try to find out exactly what's going on. And in this case, the story, the narrative that we were being fed by um, this family really wasn't, you know, the truth. And so it breaks my heart, though, because this makes it bad for everyone. Like the next time you hear a, a hard luck story about somebody needing help and they're homeless and whatever, you're less likely to believe them because of people like this. Let's be honest. Right. You're going to be like, mm, 
another scammer. And in fact, I had a man call me yesterday. He said, Sandy, my daughter's out there buying all kinds of gift cards for fosters and this and that. And she's so concerned about this family. And of course, because there are kids involved. And he said, I just need to know what's the real situation here. Is this a situation where somebody's on drugs? Because sometimes that will cause them to end up in the situation. Are these people just scammers? Are they truly need? You, you have the real story. I'm told what's going on. I said, listen, we have concluded that this is just a scamming situation. And it's unfortunate. Well, I guess we should thank the government because in times gone by, uh, they would not have even responded or said anything. So at least they sent out some sort of a press statement about this and that, you know, they are aware of the situation. Um, she continues to work with NAU, but what I think NAU needs to do is people like her who've had money flowing through their hands, you've gotten settlements, you've got businesses, you own a boat, you own multiple cars. What she really needs instead of more money from the people and from NAU, it sounds like to me, what she really needs is some good counseling services, money management courses, how to mention, I mean, the husband getting money from Siemens and this, that, and the next thing, um, you know, help her to, uh, to sort out some of that. Help her to understand how to manage her money more effectively. There are times when that is really, folks, what is required. So um, they say that in, in prompt response to notice yesterday of the unfortunate temporarily displaced family in Governor's Beach, the Department of Children and Family Services immediately conducted a thorough review and risk assessment. It will continue to carry out the, such process to ensure the health, safety, and well-being of the family. The Needs Assessment Unit, which provides financial assistance to eligible Caymanians, has also been instructed to review and assist uh, as appropriate. As a general reminder, the NAU and DCFS cannot offer any comment on specific details of any situation and or individuals in order to respect and protect their right to confidentiality. And then they say that the uh, ministry will be in continuous contact with DCFS and NAU to ensure all possible measures are undertaken to produce a suitable outcome. So just a run-of-the-mill um, press statement. So fine, you know, I guess they got to do what they what they have to do, but she's an NAU client. That wouldn't be anything new to them, I suppose, that she has um, been with them for, for some time. So in addition to that, here to kind of luck the woman has, this is just... The information, like I said, that I have come by has been astonishing. Remember when Fosters used to do their, um, it was some kind of um, giveaway that they used to do, right? I, I can't remember um, exactly what it was called, but 
I'm understanding from other sources that she actually won one of those big giveaways, something like maybe $20,000 or something. And you still begging from people? All this money you've been getting flowing through your hands and you've not done anything constructive with this? Like seriously? I'm just sitting here shaking my head. Because to me, this is just absolutely astonishing. So someone said counseling question mark. She need a good hog slap. Punch it, the punch and play. Yes. So she won money off a of punch and play as well. Woman, do you not have any conscience about you? No, sir. What a mess. Anyway, um, here you know so um you know yesterday we were telling y'all that um she wants a three thousand dollar uh apartment and and you must pay for that right so apparently she wanted this is what one source says she wanted the third room so the daughter could have her privacy to have intimate relations with her boyfriend those were her words the daughter once said that she does not know who the father of her child is because she sells her body like four times a week to get money. So you're doing that too and you're still begging people for money? Not that that's right, but you know what I'm saying? I'm like, really? How much money do y'all really need? Um, so it was $10,000 that she won. But still, how much, how, how much, how much money do you need? This, this seems to be greed in excess. And they seem to also live in this country where they think people don't know what's going on. Wow. The show is called The Cold Hard Truth. Let me address uh, one other minor detail in relation to this. So um, someone brought to my attention yesterday some comments in the women's group of K-Man. Um, now, this group is a very useful resource. I'm very much aware of the fact that, um, you know, a lot of people... There are a lot of women in it. I think they must have over 7,000 group members or whatever. And, um, you know, they, they do a lot uh, of good in the group. People are always looking for information and recommendations. And I'm a member of the group, but I'm not really an active member. Like I hardly ever read anything unless somebody tags me in it or they sort of bring it to my specific attention. So yesterday, someone sent me a screenshot. And I just want to briefly address this because, you know, at some point you stop addressing all the nonsense. Like there's always in, in the space that I operate in, there is a lot of chatter around me. Um, that's why I laugh when people, um, you know, kind of compare me to a politician because there are certainly some similarities. Right. I'm, I'm in the public space to a certain extent. I'm certainly not an elected official. Uh, I feel like. In some regards, I can do more than elected officials. There's issues that I can speak up on and be very, very forthright where elected officials might be a bit more reserved because they care a little bit more about what you guys think. Whereas I'm not really too concerned about what you think. The truth is the truth. Um, but, you know, I, I get some of the comparisons and people always are reaching out to me for help 
whether it's, uh, you know, sometimes they need a foster's card, they need monetary assistance, they need a job, they're sending me resumes. And, you know, I try to assist as much as I can. Sometimes it's highlighting an issue that they have discovered, bad customer service. I've got someone right now complaining about Bank of Butterfield. Another lady was complaining about um, FCIB. And, you know, I reached out to FCIB and I said, hey, here's the situation. Here's the complaint. I need you guys to look into this. And they have come back and said, it's going to be resolved going forward. And I said, thank you very much. Now I don't have to put you in blast. Do, do your part. Like, I don't mind giving organizations um, an opportunity. Uh, sometimes I don't always run to the organization. It really just depends on what it is. And there are times when people do want their stories uh, to be shared, right? We get lost dogs. I mean, we, we get we get all sorts of stuff that we try to help people with on a regular basis. So someone shared this comment from the real woman of Cayman. So you know that there are people who are just haters. And, you know, like I said, at some point, you're kind of like, eh, I can't pay attention to the haters. Like, I wouldn't have time for anything else. Not necessarily, because I really know that the haters are very few and far between, but they're always the loudest. So you feel like their presence in a room is so much larger than it is, because they have the biggest mouths. So this person, Lauren Moore, I don't know who Lauren is. It kind of looks like a fake account, actually, if I, if I had to be honest. And a lot of people do that in social media, you know? They set up these fake accounts so that they can, um, well, they think that they have protection and that they can kind of say, you know, whatever it is that they want with no repercussions. And it's so funny because then they're the same ones who will say, oh, well, you know, Sandy was in court and this and that. Yeah, we haven't lost a case yet. But you don't even have the audacity to say what you have to say under real accounts. Well, this particular Lauren Moore, um, whoever she is, she says that she lives in Dallas, Texas. Uh, she does have, it looks like a number of, um, I'll show you guys. She does have a number of, of friends here in the Cayman Islands. Um, so I don't know who her friendship circle is, but here she is. Um, reuniting with, with some of her friends in Cayman, whoever they are. They don't look particularly familiar. But um, so she had quite a bit say <laughs> about CMR. And I want to thank you, Lauren. Um, she says she was made in the Cayman Islands. So I guess that means she was born here. I don't really know. Um, I don't know who she is. But, you know, thanks, Lauren, for your comments, because this is what um, Lauren had to say about CMR and the women's group. And I just want to address the substance of what she had to say. So she said, CMR consistently violates basic journalism ethics and deletes comments that correct them so it doesn't surprise me. So I can't remember what the initial comment was. I think um, this Monica young lady was saying something about, um, you know, what we were saying in relation to the scammer lady, right? So I don't really know, like I said, who Lauren Moore is, but this allegation that we consistently violate basic journalism ethics and deletes comments that correct them is um, incorrect, first of all. And um, it doesn't even make any sense. I don't know what she means by journalism ethics that, you know, had she said journalistic ethics, I mean, I'm not trying to correct her in her English, but I'm just saying. That doesn't make any sense. And I had to wonder, what does she mean by journalism and ethics? Folks, if you look at journalism around the world, it looks like she's living in Texas, so she should know what the American landscape is like. Has she ever watched something like Fox News 
or even CNN, and you're going to use the term journalism and ethics in the same sentence. And so I have to wonder what she means by that, because I actually don't know what she means by that. Journalism is all about truth, in my opinion. And we do present a very different journalistic style than maybe the other platforms here in the Cayman Islands. But you know what? That's also why we're number one in the space of journalism in the Cayman Islands. So let's be very honest. People got sick and tired of the whitewashed news, of getting news from a very uh, you know singular perspective, of even the types of news that were being covered is stuff that you guys don't even care anything about. <laughs> you know, you're like, I don't care about that story. So yes, we cover stories and we cover uh, things that are in the community that are happening in this community because that's what people actually want. And so it might not appeal to Lauren. You know, she looks a little bit highfalutin. Maybe it doesn't appeal to her, but it doesn't have to appeal to you. That's the whole thing. Not every single cup of tea is somebody's cup of tea. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sitting here this morning sipping on some iced tea. Some of y'all don't drink iced tea. That's okay. You don't have to drink iced tea. You don't have to, you don't have to like ginger tea. Everybody has something different. And CMR is not everybody's cup of tea. We've always said that. And if you don't like it, you keep scrolling. You have the ability to block the page. That's your right. And we also have the ability and the right to block you. Now, I don't know who, who got what B got under her bonnet and who blocked her. But um, we occasionally block people. And we do have a caller join the program. Give me one quick second, caller. So we occasionally block people. But if I were honest with you, right, we have, I'm going to show you guys this because, you know, I'm all about transparency. I don't really hide, I don't hide much of nothing. So especially when it comes to our business model, right? So in terms of followers on our platform, we have, we have as of today's date, 66,821 followers. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't include Instagram. That's just Facebook. What percentage of 66,828 followers have we ever blocked? I can assure you very, very few, probably less than 1%. And we don't block people because you disagree with what we have to say. We block you because either you get ignorant, you use profanity, you make personal attacks against people who run this platform because that's not the overarching issues here. Those are the types of things that you get blocked because. So this narrative that um, because we don't agree with someone or that someone, um, you know, has a different viewpoint than us, we block those people. They try to correct us because I'm sure Lauren Moore must be a journalist. And that's why she knows all about journalist, journal, journalism ethics. And um, she can dictate to us what we should and shouldn't do. But we don't block. Let, let me be very honest with you. Some of our posts literally get hundreds of remarks per post. You guys think that I have the time to sit down and read them? Most of the time, I don't read a single comment on a post. It might be when someone says to me, hey, girl, you've been watching this. You need to read this. And then I might go back and kind of scroll through some of them. I would get nothing else done in life if I sat down and read all the comments on, on social media. I don't have the time for that. And we're not in the business. And we have different page administrators, right? And we're generally not in the business of deleting comments. There are very few people whose comments have either been deleted. Sometimes we even give you a warning. We say, listen, you can't be spewing this comment or saying this or whatever. You know, rethink your comment. 
And then people say, nope, I'm not going to rethink it. Then we either delete it or we block you. Now, I don't know if Lauren is one of those people who said something and got blocked and now she's all in her feelings. And Monica Glamazon, um, I don't really know who Monica is, but I hear she's a, I think she might be, um, she might be Jamaican and I think she has a salon or she used to work with Jennifer and I know Jennifer really well, but I don't think she works with Jennifer anymore. I don't know. There's some mix up with her in the salon business, but apparently she's in that space. Right. And a lot of people have said to me, Monica doesn't seem to like CMR. And I said, she doesn't have to like CMR. I don't care. <laughs> this is not a friendship circle. You know, Monica in the past apparently has been very vocal because people have said it to me. Oh, it's obvious she doesn't like you. Good. I don't need Monica as a friend. I don't know who she is. I'm not looking for any friends. This platform doesn't need friends. We are here to provide a service to the community. And you may not like it all the time. Maybe you like some of it. You don't like some of it. That's just how the cookie crumbles. Don't take it personal, right? So Lauren and Monica, because then Monica jumps in. Yeah, I feel so sad. We have to question morality and journalism. What the hell is morality and journalism? I'm not morality and journalism. Well, what is that? <laughs> you know, I don't even know what that is, but let's go to the caller. Good morning, caller. Sorry to have you waiting. Good morning, Sandra. It's <laughs> How Minister Brian. How are you doing? I'm good. A former journalist. Tell me all about morality yeah. and journalism. <laughs> oh, you are hundred percent correct about that. Um, I think, I think there is some, some discussion that has to be done about the morality part though. And the reason I called in is because I know Lauren very well. Mm -hmm. She's a former reporter at Game 27. Oh, she is. A, a okay. Very, very good one, actually. Well, I'm glad you've clarified who she is because I have no idea who she, she is. is. Yeah. She's a Caymanian and she's made of this soil. So I, I, I think I understand what, what she's trying to suggest. Okay. Uh, or mm. not, not, not in a sense that I agree with her position. I don't know what she's talking about. But yeah, well, well neither do I, but so she's not, yeah. someone said she was, um, oh, they said Monica is Canadian. Oh, okay. See, I, I don't, I don't know who these people are. So, okay. Well, Lauren, Lauren is a true Caymanian and, 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 and a former reporter. You could see probably if you check her Facebook, um, history, you'll see probably some shots of her at Cayman 27. So she's a good person. Um, and she did the same training I did as a former journalist. So I can understand where some of the old school principles of journalism have come in. Now, I must say that I'm going to challenge you a little bit this morning in respect to mm -hmm. the some comments you've made. I don't think that you're wrong in most sense, mm -hmm. but if we're accepting the new way forward of journalism, if you're going to use Fox News as a reference, no, no, then no, no, no. That, that's a bad one. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not using it to say it's good or bad. I'm just saying look at the world of journalism to see what is out there. Right. But that's that's the problem. That's and, the problem. Well, the problem every, is, that, uh -huh. is that the world has gotten to a place where it's no longer about any baseline um, uh, of 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 morality. If you leave, if you lose the morality of reporting, um, then then we're in a dangerous zone. Very well, dangerous. Well, tell me what the morality of reporting is, because clear, clearly okay. I missed that class. Tell me what the morality okay, for, of journalism is. For example, is. for mm -hmm. example, you can report on something that you are not 100 percent certain that is correct. Mm -hmm. But you can also say that it's not 100 percent incorrect. So you can leave it in a very open space. 
Uh-huh. Um, and you may never find the truth until a later date. But until you are 150% sure, you shouldn't report it. That's a principle of journalism that is always there. Um, and there was always the, the responsibility of, of, you know, be extra sure before you do, because you, you run the risk of when you report, you report about sensitive matters. And yes, people are not going to like always mm-hmm. what you say. And you're right about the fact is that they don't have to like you. But sometimes if we don't hold ourselves accountable in that respect, mm-hmm. recognizing the, the reality of what these things can do, then we're going to go in a dangerous space because so let, let me ask you a question about that right so you yeah. say um you you hold the story and you wait until you have all the facts maybe that's why Cayman 27 is no longer around maybe you're right maybe because you're right maybe we no longer live in a world where you can wait a week where you can reach out to government wait three or four days for them to respond through gis for comment and then three uh-huh. days later for you to verify what they have said and then your story is like two weeks old Okay, fair enough. I agree with you. Today's world is fast food news or, or fast news. And there's an expectation with technology the way it is to get the stuff right away. That's true. But do you, do you sacrifice the reliability of information for speed? That's the Some, question. That is well, well sometimes, I mean, sometimes it happens. And I mean, I must admit that it happens all over the world. That wouldn't just be something that's unique to Cayman. But what mm-hmm. you do is, and this is where you know we try to, if you notice how we word certain things and how we say certain things, we will say, this is what the streets are saying, right? In layman's terms. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. had no official confirmation or response to this as yet. Mm-hmm. There are times when we have, during the past almost five years now, when we have learned that we hold on and we wait a little bit. But when I tell you that the information over the years that CMR has put out has been 97% accurate, because nobody's 100%, we have been 97% on point. Have we screwed up and gotten things blatantly wrong in the past? Yes, absolutely. And that's even sometimes after you've checked multiple sources and you have picked up phones and you said, are you sure about this? Yes, 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 yes. And you still run with the story. Somebody's like, I'm looking at the body right now. The person's dead. I'm in the morgue with them. And that's not the person who's actually in the morgue kind of story. Right? So, you know, and we're willing to own anytime that happens. We are definitely willing to own it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not disputing your ability. And Sandra, as you know, I was one of the biggest champions for CMR from the, from, from the infant stages. So there's no question about that. You have um, ch- um, become the number one leader in fast news and social media space while many other media companies have fallen off and 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 are falling behind that's why you rightfully said that you're the number one um in the news area today but 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 we got to be very very careful because i mean there is a science to the responsibility of reporting they always used to say that news is the fourth arm of government you have your judicial mm-hmm. your parliament your parliamentary and your presidential like basically your premier or your executive right um and 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 reporting is that one balancing act of accountability but because um there's a perception of um that the news is a reliable source of information the words that come out of your mouth is just as important as a politician and I think you know that. I, I think most people know that people hang on your every word. So if you are not 100%, you can potentially influence people's minds 
in a wrong direction. That's why the responsibility of, of truth has to come from you. But I, I'm glad you clarified earlier. You said, it's not about whether you like me. It's not whether you, 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 you um, um, think that I should have reported on the story, but whether the information is factual. That I agree with. Mm-hmm. So you might like the facts, but the mm-hmm. facts are still the facts. And what I'm here for is to report the facts. But that's why the emphasis of Fox has yes. to be and, and also, let me say this, right? For example, this talk show, this isn't a, a news talk show. This is a talk show. It's an opinion-based talk show. So there Ooh. will be times when I'm getting on here and I'm doing a mixture of some news, some information, um, what's happening in the community, and a lot of opinion, right? So if someone Ooh. sits and looks at this show and tries to judge what happens on the CMR page, meaning the website, which is a news mm-hmm. website, that is something that's completely different. So I think people also, and, and I'm glad that you clarified that Lauren used to work for Cayman 27 because that certainly puts a lot of things into perspective because mm-hmm. K- what Cayman 27 did, for example, and even what the Compass does and what they have done over the years isn't the same thing that we do, to be quite frank, right? Mm-hmm. And we have a very different model that to me, some people just don't get the model. They're old school. So they are used so, to so, how so Cayman 27 be, did things. Would you should you be considered a news program then? This particular talk show? Yeah. No, this isn't a news program. This is a talk okay, show. What's the definition of a news then? So what is okay, in order for us to understand our context of our dialogue right now, yes. we have to define what is a talk show and what is news. All right. Because so the, so the, let the, me the try to break it down for you. News, the old school thinking of news is it's a reliable source of information that you can believe is a fact. Right. That'd be correct. Let me okay, let me so break what, it. What let me break it down for you. Then? Yes. Let me okay. break it down for you. You want news that's ninety-seven percent accurate. You go to the website. That's all the news stories, right? So that's are you saying be... that your information is ninety-seven percent factual? Yes. Okay. All right. Go all ahead. All right. So that's the website. That's all the community news, all of the government press releases. Um, you know, stuff from RCIPS and whatever. When we do a story, I'll give you an example. So the RCIPS sends out a story, okay? And they say, oh yes, there's been a drowning incident. By the time they send that out, of course, we already know about it. We got the footage, we got everything on it, right? We know who it is and so on. So we may add to the new story. Uh, Take, for example, the young man who drowned, unfortunately, last week, Saturday. Um, Well, I don't know if he technically... I mean, I think he ended up drowning, but so we had tons of details about that story because we had a reliable eyewitness at the scene. So as it happened, the eyewitness contacted us, gave us the full rundown of this incident. Other people contacted us and provided us with information. So one of the biggest differences between us and everybody else is our network of people in the community who provide us information or like our network of reporters. Now, they're not always accurate. So fair point. They're not always accurate. And over the years, I have learned to distinguish between people who always have, when I say always, I'm like 99%, they always have the good tea. And then other people are more like 80%, 90%, you know, they're going to give you a lot, but you got to filter them a lot more than other people. But 97% of the information that we put in any article on our website is spot on. That's why we can tell you even before the police do exactly what's happening, what's going on. That is why sometimes the police contact us and say, hey, we need you to extract this information from your article because it is accurate, but 
it's compromising our investigation or our stint that, you know, now people know that we have an undercover officer sitting or not even undercover because they weren't, but I'm just thinking about a specific case. Yes, we have an officer at that location. So that's the website. The social media platforms are a combination of things. So the social okay. media platform, everything that goes on the website gets shared on the social media. And I'm glad you've given me this opportunity, Kenneth, to really explain this to people because a lot of people may not get the different elements of what it is that we do as a, um, and that's why I don't define myself just as news. Like we're so much broader than that, right? So on mm -hmm. social media, everything that's on the website gets placed on social media, but social media gets more. So social media is going to get the people like complaining about stuff. And sometimes that's not a news story. We're just going to screenshot it and put it up. Social media gets the jackass of the day. Now, is that ethically wrong to call somebody a jackass of the day? Well, that's not news. That is just a, um, a community element of what CMR offers. So you see what I mean when I say it's not all about just like strict news, the lost dog. Well, somebody lost their dog. That's not news. That's one yeah, of the community yeah, right. things that we offer, right? Well, you're, you're, you're adding a new space of communication that has never been done before. Right. And, and, and so I let me clarify now with this talk show. This talk show is an opinion-based talk show. And what we discuss might be some news-related things, right? So we discuss politics. We might discuss stuff in the news. We're going to discuss court elements. So whatever is happening both in the Cayman Islands and around the world is discussed. I'll give you an example. Just this morning, I saw a few comments. Um, there was a, in Jamaica, the, um, the Jamaican Defense Force. You know, they're, they're getting a little bit of heat because some of their officers and um, I think it's called Denham Town in West Kingston actually had some altercations with members of the public. And so in, in the instance of one lady, a um, one of their officers, one of the, this is military now, right? They actually kicked her, the Jamaican Defense Force. He kicked a female in her midsection and he lifts his high powered rifle at her to say, basically back up or I'm going to shoot you. So, you know, we put this up. This is trending all over the Caribbean right now in terms of news. Somebody says in there, um, oh, wh why is it that you, you only report bad news um, coming out of Jamaica? And I said, you think about that for a second. The majority of news that we report is about the Cayman Islands. We don't live in a bubble. So we do report regional news, Jamaica, Trinidad, BVI, whatever. We report stuff out of the U.S., Canada, international news, right? But we don't we don't focus global. on global. I mean, exactly. And we don't focus on just negative news. But let us be honest, worldwide, the majority of what you hear does come on the negative side. Well, because that's because negative news sells quicker and people want to know well, the negative stuff. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's not even that. I feel like here, right? I, th I think part of it. Of humanity. Yeah, and I, and I exactly. It, it, it is just what's it. happening. Just, just yeah, like in Cayman, I, mean, I said to the person, I said, well, look at the last six stories that we would have reported on the Cayman Islands specifically, right? Rapists mm -hmm. getting eight and a half years, concerns at Caymana Bay with antisocial behavior, two people struck by a vehicle after social media fight. Those are all quote unquote negative news stories, but we're mm -hmm. not making up the news. We're just reporting it. So yeah, if you guys agree, want less negative news, stop, stop engaging in all this stuff that makes it reportable. <laughs> I mean, to I, me, I, I mean, I, I, you I hear you. I just, it's good for the discussion so we can recognize ourselves, the truth of who we are, because if you see something, a kid wins reading week um, after reading 500 books, 
you don't get as much clicks on that as so, oh, there was an armed robbery shooting um, um, in Bond Town. Mm-hmm. So, so we are who we are, and, and you're just filling a void. I mean, if your void wasn't attractive, you wouldn't get the clicks. You wouldn't be able to say, look, how many mm-hmm. people I have following me. So let's be honest about who we are here, right? right. Absolutely. Um, even, even Lauren, who is a good friend of mine, she's mm-hmm. obviously watching your show. But it goes back to the, 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 the Fox example. As much as you hate Fox and its reporting, everybody still watches it. But then I reflect and say, yes, it may be attractive because of the novelty of it. And, you know, when you love to hate somebody or you love a person, it's like either way you get clicks. And that's what the business you're in. You're in the business of, of attention. You can't sell your marketing to say, oh, I got 100 clicks. You want to be able to sell your advertising and say, listen, 10,000 clicks. You want to advertise at CMR? This is the place to be. Well, here, here, let me for good or bad. Yeah. Get to see your let, let me right? let me address let me address that. Right. Okay. So, um, and these are some really really good good questions and good points because when CMR started out, as you guys know, we were the bastard child of news media, whatever you want to, however you want to define us. They wouldn't even call us news media then. Remember, we were a blog. They were like, "Oh, a blogger," as though somehow the technicality of that word made any bit of difference whatsoever, right? And Ooh. so I always said from day one, CMR for me is a passion and not a paycheck. That stands today. And the reason why that is so critical and so important is it's not about clicks to generate revenue. It's about we are here to do what the community wants to know and what they care about. So someone just said um, CMR is about citizen journalism. Citizens help you collect the facts and you're their voice. Can't shoot the messenger uh, for the message. And they said, ask Kenneth if he's ever gotten anything wrong as a journalist. And this isn't, to me, this isn't even about that, that really. It's about what we have done over the past five years. And, And some people didn't see the vision. And I've always said, listen, Kenneth, I don't need somebody to see my vision. I need to see my vision clearly. I need to know what it is. And I need to lay out my plan of how to deliver that, right? And that's what we have done with CMR. So despite everyone's perhaps disdain or discontent or whatever when CMR first got started, no one now that has any sense can deny that we are forced to be reckoned with. No doubt about that. You know, and <laughs> and, and people that. have had to um, admit that even in corporate came in, people who never thought four years ago that they would ever be saying, well, I'm going to go to Cayman Mall Road to really see what's going on. Now that is the narrative. But because we have become, quote unquote, more mainstream and people are wanting to go to our platform and wanting to read us. For me, that isn't the end game. The, in, the end game remains true to the passion and bringing people the truth. So we've always stood by, we're here to well, bring well, you what? Well, the unfiltered well, truth. Well, well, let's talk about the truth, right? So when you say you're 97% there, what yes. are you doing to ensure that your 3% is reduced to potentially 1%? Because of course we can't be perfect, right? Yeah. But I can give you an example. When I was at Cayman 27, if I got a story wrong once, you got away with it. If I did it twice, I was fired. That's the reliability of news. And I think it, 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 it would so be you, good. So you were, you were never fired from, from Cayman 27, that's for sure. So are you telling yeah. me you've only made one mistake in all those years you were at Cayman 27? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that, that's an amazing record. But what I will say is this. There's a lot of things, Kenneth, that we have done over the years to improve upon our accuracy and Ooh. to um, ensure that that 97% needle continues to move in a positive direction. So let me give you some concrete examples of what I mean, right? So there Ooh. are people who um, have died um, that we've reported on. Say we've reported on 1,000 deaths. We've actually gotten three maybe four wrong in the past five years, right? But of course, those are the ones that people always hyper escalate and like, oh my God, you killed off, you know, Judge Ramsey and she wasn't really dead. Now, mind you, they don't care that this was trending all over social media. They don't care that her own colleagues had put up, unfortunately, that she had died and we had verified and asked people, are you sure that that was her? Like, they don't care about any of that. They're going to just look at the mistake. Fair enough. I mean, humans are what they are and it is what it is, right? Okay. But at the end of the day, anytime now we get information that somebody has died, you know what we do? We wait. We sit on it. I say, okay, thank you. Especially if there's somebody of prominence, not that anybody else's, like other people's lives don't matter just as much, but we will sit on it and we will wait for hours. Sometimes I'm waiting 12 and 24 hours to actually say, oh, by the way, this person has actually died. We also now, where possible, reach out to the family members of those individuals to say, hey, uh, we understand that we should be expressing our condolences. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just to verify. I mean, you know the, thing, the funny thing is, like, uh, um, Sandra, is that 24, 12 and 24 hours was nothing back in the day when I was a reporter. Now it's a, a big deal. Two weeks. But, but, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. The world has changed and the expectation has changed. Mm -hmm. But with the expectations of it being rushed, the, the potential, the increase in percentage of, of it not being 100% factual increases. Yeah. So all we have to do is recognize, and I think this is an opportunity for you to say, listen, uh, as often as you can, not 100% or not confirmed yet, or this is my opinion, and emphasis that. So the consumer of the information can make well, their own Well, if, if the consumers of the information pay attention, they will notice the wording and how we say things. So when we say, you know, CMR sources at the scene or eyewitnesses at the scene also shared X, Y, Z. That means that it's not coming from the police. It's not an official source and you take it or leave it. Right. And you're free yeah, to, you're free good to, point. you know what I'm saying? So let, let's take another example. When, when poor um, unfortunate Mario had his little slip and fall, we were the only ones who even reported that in the space of news, um, you know, and we said, this is what happened. We had everything about what happened, Mario, how the, how the ambulance came and went and, you know, because again, we had eyewitnesses at the scene and they were not the police. They were not EMT or anybody else. You know, good citizens thought to help him get to the hospital and to save his life, essentially. Right. And they talk amongst themselves. And that story quickly picks up traction. And we're the we're in the first line of information. Like we get it from people probably before a lot of other people. So when we put a story like that together, that story is already way more than we will ever get from the official sources. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And then I see Kevin, um, a former journalist as well, came on 27, wants to jump in to the conversation. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, politicians and government yeah. agencies. Now, I know you guys don't control the civil service, right, from a political arm. Oh, I wish you knew and that the so, other day when you were beating me up. No, but okay, oh, no, 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 no. I knew it. I knew it. But well, You should but, emphasize that because I got a lot of licks for things I don't have the control but, but, over. But and if you step in, then Kenneth, they say, you oh, were you're getting, stepping out of line. No, you were getting licks for stuff, quite frankly, that um, people perceived that I was saying. 
Hear me clearly well, now. But, but, but listen, this is going to be interesting. Level of responsibility than you as a journalist. Kenneth, hold on, hold on, hold on one second for okay, me. Okay, Because what I'm what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to. Denny's on the conversation as well. For the first time ever, we're going to bring a caller in. Did you call in WhatsApp or Straight Line? You call Straight Line, I call right? Straight. I call straight. Okay, yeah. Denny, call back Straight Line because then what we can do is we can add the call together. And then I'm going to bring in Kevin. So we'll have like a little four-way thing going here in a second. Okay, okay. okay but um, yeah, so Denny, call us back. My apologies, I didn't grab it in time. But um, yeah, so when I'm when I'm sitting here having a conversation about, let me see here now. Hold on, hold on, Kenneth. Hi, Denny, hold on. We're going to merge the calls. High tech stuff going on this morning. Hello, callers. I think both of you should be on together. I can hear you. I can hear you. Awesome. Look at that. Two way. <laughs> it works. <laughs> so let me just say this, Kenneth, specific to that situation, right? When we were talking um, about the whole port situation, I never said that port staff issues were your responsibility in that you control the civil service. Now, I think yeah, what- your, your, The co-host certainly did. But it's okay. I well, who's, my co who's my co-host? I don't have a co-host. The little young man that calls in who I, I support. Oh, no, I like listen. Young, but I mean, let, let's man. be fair to Jared, right? I mean, Jared is, is young and he's still learning. And I, I don't recall exactly what he would have said in that moment. But I always try to correct him wherever I can. Because, yeah, sometimes Jared okay. doesn't quite understand the dynamics. But what I will say politically, so now you're a minister, right? Mm -hmm. And you're also a politician. And those are two separate roles. So politically... True. I know, and you know, right? And everybody at the port knows that even before you got into government, before you got this area of responsibility, you were really keen on fixing the issues at the port. And you would mm -hmm. have made um, statements to that effect to port workers. So now mm -hmm. that you're in there, now I don't know if the port workers themselves don't understand that Kenneth can't come down there and tell the um, HR manager, well, this is what I need you to do or interfere at that level, but they are expecting you to fulfill your political promises to them, which included this outstanding money in, in over time, whatever you said, oh, when I get in there and I get a government, a ministerial position, I'm gonna have this fixed. To this day, that issue has not been fixed. So I think mm -hmm. people are holding you responsible based on political promises that you made to them, right? In, in a political mode, now that you're a minister and you can't overstep because you'll get your ass suspended too. So you can't overstep and you can't do this and you can't do that. People don't appreciate the difference now. I appreciate okay. the difference. Okay. Well, and, and it's good that you explain these things, but, but just let me just answer specific to that question because I'm mm -hmm. happy to Danny and um, so he can join in, right? Mm -hmm. um, Danny, not Danny, what did I say? Um, in respect to these commitments, what, what there needs to be is a little level of patience in order to fix these things. And I know mm -hmm. that it's hard to ask because people have been waiting for solving problems for a long time. Mm -hmm. But especially when it's not directly in your control, meaning I can't action it. I can send the policy directive down to the board, board through the port director, port director through its administrative staff. So that will be sent down and they have to be given the necessary time to do so. But when the time isn't done or is not done in a timely manner, they don't go, well, the management isn't doing this or the board isn't keeping pressure on the management to resolve it. They mm -hmm. go straight to the politician, which is, which is fine because the public sees their representative as a problem solver. 
But right now, we are the most touchy situation politically in this country. What happened with burning, I, I hate to say, has caused things to slow down. You know why? Because politicians are going to be reluctant to, to, to step in to get things action through the civil service and public service because they're afraid now to say, well, how much can I tell you to do anything? Because you, know you know what the saying is now? You are policymakers and that's it. You give us the policy and you let us handle it. So the, the truth is, there needs to be more examination of responsibility and accountability to those who are charged with this. And, and I'm not, I refuse to run away from the perception of, of accountability because when they vote for me, they say, Kenneth, I don't want to hear it. I voted for you, get it done. But there is a dynamic that I'm having to juggle and maneuver my way through without people saying you're step, overstepping your boundaries. How do I, how do you take responsibility for something that you won't have responsibility for indirectly? So well, let, let, can I pause you there for one? Now. Can I pause you? Yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so th this is what I think needs to happen, right? When you are in election mode and you're out there mm -hmm. making promises to people, you actually mm -hmm. need to tell them the real truth, which is I can promise you the moon, the sky, and whatever else, the limousine, the, the, the whatever, but delivery of that is not entirely up to me. This is a little bit of truth telling, right? In mm -hmm. the world of politics. The other thing I want to say is people confuse right? I have a job to do. And part of that job is keeping them honest, keeping the politicians honest. Mm -hmm. And so people, honest, not only the politicians, everybody, but yes, so but I, we're, we're just speaking about politics. Public, I'm just focused. Everybody. Yes. I'm just focused on politics here for one second, right? Specific okay, okay, okay. to you and kind of the port situation and other politicians. So there is an expectation. And this is sometimes where people get a little bit up in their feelings that they believe, and you should know better than this, because I, I can compartmentalize very well. You and I are friends, but that doesn't mean that you get spared in any way, shape, or form politically. Hmm. So well, all versa, politicians- Vice versa, hence the reason for the call in today. Yes. To hold you accountable for your journalism. Absolutely. And, okay, and everyone should understand that in the world of politics, that's a very sort of different game. And politicians can make, Promises upon promises, delivery of those is a completely different situation. And it is times when they are not delivering that maybe the people need to understand why they're not delivering, what our expectations are of them, right? Even in terms of engagement. So for example, when something pops off, right? You tend to be more proactive than a lot of your other colleagues. So you're gonna, like you're doing this morning, you're gonna pick up the phone, you're gonna gauge and you're gonna call in. I like that about you, Kenneth. I think it can be a double-edged sword, but I think for the most part, that is a positive attribute. But at the same time, I can show you how it can get you in a little bit of trouble. So the last time you called the program about the port issue, you kind of started to talk about things that were verging on the civil service. So you mentioned, oh, well, Ms. Beth was supposed to be hiring those positions. She was supposed to be doing this. In my honest opinion, I think that should have never been said. Like you should never. No, 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 no. no. I'm happy to say it again. Mm -hmm. Listen, the job of the port director is to hire these spots. You can't say, okay, well, Kenneth, and this is your words, and we can humbly go back if you like and look at the show. You, you accuse to say, why isn't these positions held? My response to that, because yet again, the public will assume that it's my responsibility. 
the director, and this is not specific to Beth, but whoever. But you the mentioned her name. This is the difference. Okay. You said Beth. Okay, you said Beth was supposed to hire those people. But yet you've had the, port directors. These vacancies have exist for up to three years. No doubt. No and doubt. And these, no, these other again, people didn't hire them. So in six months, you want no. her to come and fill 30 positions? People would no, think she was crazy not, if that happened. No, no, I'm not suggesting that. No, no. Remember now, you caused the dialogue of investigation to the problem. You can't say, oh, Kenneth, there's no jobs positions being held. And then I don't respond as if to say it's my responsibility. It is my responsibility from the hierarchy of minister. But I'm saying to you in my response that it is the, the director of the Times responsibility to fill these posts. So, so here we go. You're talking about speed and accountability and expectations of resolving problems. But I can't expect the person that is responsible for the hiring to do the hiring. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So when I respond to you to say it's the port director, just so happened to be at that time, it was best. Best job is to hire that. That's not my job. My job is to hire the board. The board then hires the person. That person then hires these spots. That's mm-hmm. how you solve the problem. So you presented the problem. I presented the solution. Mm-hmm. So for you to say that it was incorrect for me to say getting involved in who's, who she's supposed to hire, I didn't say that she has to hire Joe or John or Jane. I said she has to hire somebody. She has to fill the post. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a right to say that. Anybody has a right to say that. Well, and here's the thing, right? I have right? the right to say you have to hire a specific for, person. For, clar- for clarity, for the sake of clarity, two things need to be said about that specific thing. Number one, she was a temporary acting port director meant to hold down the yeah. fort until you guys could permanently find someone. So why would she, this is just a question when it comes to human resources, right? Which, you know, yeah, I have, yeah. I, I have a little bit of, because believe it or not, yeah. I have a master's degree in public administration with a minor on the recruitment side of things, right? Okay. Human okay. development and HR. So let me ask you a question. Why would mm. anyone think that it makes good human resources sense for a temporary worker to try to hire permanent positions that would fall under the eventual person who's going to hold that position permanently, as opposed to them filling the head position on a permanent basis and then having that person be involved in the recruitment of who will be working with them long term. Okay. Well, well, you know what? Every time you ask the question, I feel I feel concerned that I may answer and say that I'm getting too involved. In respect okay. to the hiring, but that, that is more of a but, that but, is but, more but, of a but, theoretical but, question. But, that that's not even specific so to the theoret- court. Theoretically, let me answer that. Yes. Right? You there, there is there is an expectation. There is an expectation of how long you're going to take before you solve the problem. So you you agree that there is a problem. The problem is that we have empty spots, and as a, as a result, the port can't function well. Right. Mm-hmm. Do three months, we extend it to another six months, and then there was another expectation to go even further than that, right? Which is the board's problem, not mine. The mm-hmm. board has to has because to be because, the because the government. Okay, let me finish. Let me finish. Yeah. I get my point out first, right? Mm-hmm. So, how long will we take before we fill the positions while the public is rightfully holding me accountable to say the functioning of the port isn't running well? These positions are not. So how long do we wait for the positions to be filled? Well, you need to be asking your board that because you guys, well, based on that, a press that's release. My, that's my point. My point is the board's report back to me is that we need the director, whether it's acting or not, mm-hmm. to fill these things. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should stop there. 
I just, I don't want any well, well, hold on. We don't, we don't know I'm, if Denny or Kenneth or Jared now is on, have a question for you, but let me just, no, I'm yeah, let, I'm just saying, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. We don't, we don't have to go into that any further, but the only, okay. the only thing that, um, that I will say is there was a press release issued about what Beth's remit was at the port. And it was actually, according to the press release in any event, uh, when she was appointed, it was a very limited remit. So that's all I'm going to say about that. As I question... Um, leave it there because I love Beth very much. She did a great job. The thing now is to move forward positively at the port. Yeah. All right? And so I mean, but people all, can't move forward if they don't understand... The, you know, people can't move forward if they don't understand what went wrong. So I think that's why it's important sometimes for us to dig a little bit deeper than yeah, just yeah. at a superficial level, right? But anyway, yeah, well, um, right. yes. So um, uh, Kevin, you were up first. Your thoughts on today's discussion? Yeah, no, I wanted to reach out to Kenneth. And you said Denny's on the phone, which, you know, back in the day, came in 27 days, it was Denny Warren, mm -hmm. Jr., Mm -hmm. Kenneth Ryan and Kevin Watler that did a lot of breaking news. And Kenneth, you know. Wait a minute. Denny worked for you guys? No, he didn't work for us. However, <laughs> okay. because we had so much going on at the time, we had, at the same time, we had what we called the tit-for-tat killings going on. And we had a lot of robberies going on at the same time. Denny was or, or is a great photographer. And a lot of times he will also go to different scenes and document the different things. And as Kenneth well knows, because he and I, we, we, we worked very closely together, we would always, always report things where we may not have confirmation from the police or mm -hmm. any other authorities, but we still had a job to do by reporting it. We didn't have all the facts, but we had, back in those days, BBM or BlackBerry messages, and I mm -hmm. was the one that used to have three different phones because they had a limit of 2,000 contacts to mm -hmm. send out what we can now do on WhatsApp. And so we would send out the news and information. I would send out a newsletter. Remember, I was the website's um, producer for Cayman 27 as well. So I was in charge of the website, mm -hmm. we updated the content, and we have reported numerous times mm -hmm. on stories where we didn't have the full story. And mm -hmm. Kenneth, you as a journalist or former journalist should definitely know that Cayman Marlboro does the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. where, man, I'm, I'm in the background with Cayman Marlboro. Sandy's definitely the face of it, and I'm mm -hmm. part of the team. And I see so many different things that do not go reported because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that the right. public does not see before the story is yep. actually reported. Yes. Well, well, yeah. that's, that's, and, and that's a good, um, one second, Kevin, that's a good point because people only see what they see. They don't see or know what is happening behind the scenes. So, Kevin, I'm glad that you, you know, you've joined us um, as I don't even know what, what, what title we're going to give you exactly. But definitely a weatherman, a contributor to the program, working on special projects and so on. But Kevin is and is administrator on the page and he sees a lot. And in fact, even some of the, um, you know, right now it says I have 36 new messages on Facebook that I've not even read because yesterday was such a busy day. But even some of the stuff that people are constantly sending us. Uh, yesterday, a woman sent me a WhatsApp in relation to this man who's been, you know, a, um, arrested by the arrest incident with the attempted rape. That is something that isn't going to make the news at this point. And they said to me, well, why aren't you going to put this up? So I think that that's a fair point that Kevin makes. I agree. I agree. I accept his point. That's not what I, I think you misunderstood what I said. You have the right to report on something. Mm -hmm. But what the problem is, you have to be accountable for your choice to report it without confirmation. So. For example, he's yes. right. We'd go out, go to a murder scene. We've talked to witnesses on the scene, and we said, oh, we heard this and we heard that. Mm -hmm. We have a right to report that. 
But if it turns out to be wrong, mm-hmm. I remember April would call me into the newsroom and say, Kenneth, are you sure this information is correct? Are you sure we're going to go out? And I would say, listen, this is what I've done. Mm-hmm. I've done my due diligence. And, and we have been accountable. We have absolutely so, so, been accountable. So and Kevin. And that's all I'm saying. Um, that's all I'm saying is yeah. that. And I guess we all could agree on that. And I could and, tell and you Kenneth, that. Kenneth, for the record, let, let, me just say, let me just say this. I saw um, a week after we had the story up, or more than a week, um, the Compass finally put up that the last um, defamation lawsuit that we had pending was dismissed by the court. And now that guy has to pay my legal fees. Let me be uh-huh. very clear. We are held accountable on a lot of different levels. We're held accountable by the community at large. We're held accountable by the people who we're reporting on. We're held accountable by the authorities, right? And if someone doesn't think that we've gotten it right, they sue me. I have been taken to court more than anybody else. Well, I, I say that tongue in cheek because a lot of people don't know how much the other media houses have either been taken to court or have been threatened with lawsuits. So right now there's a big one by an Australian guy. He's a former attorney here. He's suing every media house in Cayman but CMR because when he tried to join us to the lawsuit, the Australian courts actually told him no and threw it out because he's just being silly. He's not going to win against the Compass or anybody else, right? But I am also the only media house in Cayman that can sit here today and tell you that there has not been a single successful case. So people will hold, they will put my foot to the fire as they should, if I've gotten it wrong and, and, and if, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. But the, the end result is I, I will be held to account by everyone, but it's not, we're still at that 97%. And that's why we don't have me facing lawsuits where I actually have to pay people anything. If, I, if I got a question for you because yeah, I, I guess I am getting the impression that you are, without seeing it, outright you're saying that you see or you believe there's a lot of misinformation or non-factual news stories making it out on cmr that's kind of what i'm i'm, I'm understanding if i'm incorrect please correct me if that's you true me? can you please give us I some examples he, so we can address them directly yeah. no i never i never said such thing remember now i called also a co-worker of of um of of, of jesus came out 27 um, of Cayman 27, yeah, right. right? Of Kevin. So, Kevin, you know the integrity of, of, of Lauren. Yeah. You know she comes from good stock. You know oh, she yeah. was a good Yeah, no, no, no. Lauren, I'm, I'm completely good of Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I mean, I don't so, I don't want so you to assume to, either <laughs> that I was attacking Lauren because, like respond, I said, I don't know. Let me respond. I don't get my chance to respond. Okay. So, I, I called in on that basis of that if, if, if there is a criticism, mm-hmm. whether criticism doesn't necessarily have to be a bad one. It could be it could be a, a, an assessment of a circumstance of a situation. Mm-hmm. So so we should never shy away from the, the the assessment. I have to take that assessment. I took the the licks of of being assessed. Kenneth, I'm not sure if your audio dropped out. Kevin, you had a question. No, it's, I thought Kenneth was still talking, and and it, it just sounded like it stopped in the middle of oh. a sentence. No, 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 he he maybe, he's still talking. Maybe he maybe he didn't hear me, but I think we're all saying the same thing, right? Um, nobody's here accusing him on my road of reporting bad news, or, or or all they do is um is report false news. But what mm-hmm. what was good for healthy for this morning, Sandra, uh, quite rightfully detailed it is there's different elements of what. Kimamaru does 
that is news, there is opinion based, there's a talk show, and there's the there's just the social fun stuff like the, the jackass of the day. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So so knowing and understanding the shifting tide of expectation of communication in today's world. Like ten years ago mm-hmm. uh, or fifteen years ago when I was a reporter, I mean the expectations were totally different. Mm-hmm. So you have to evolve to the, the times of today. And that's why access I ask not Kim and Ma Road, mm-hmm. but the community at large and the world at large. Mm-hmm. What are we holding ourselves accountable for the information? Because I remember going to a seminar, and I think I, 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 I said this at your court case when I stood for you mm-hmm. to give a, a character reference in your last case, that the world today is struggling with this transition of, uh, of what you call um, um, fast, fast food um, information. They want the information now. And it's something that we're all learning to, to live with. And I think you're doing the best you possibly can um, to give information at the rate and speed that they wanted at. Because you've got to accept that you probably get more information or more uh, uh, higher probability of fact if you waited two weeks as opposed to if you record if you record mm, it in three hours. But can I tell you the truth about that, Kevin? I mean, okay. I'm sorry, Kenneth. Not really, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. not really. Because as okay. I said before... By the time the, let's take the RCAP as, as, as an example, right? Because normally that's kind of like a breaking news space and whatever. By the time they um, officially put out something, um, and again, I use, you know, even that last incident of the gentleman drowning, there was nothing that they came back with a week later that we did not already have up that was now considered old news. And that happens a lot. So sometimes what happens is we will actually put a story up there and, and this is where government now needs to do a better job. And when I say government, I'm speaking to the civil servants. So sometimes we'll say to them, oh, you know, we, we, we got a story. Say, say when um, the medical company there was suing government over the, the supplies. We had to put in this, oh, put in an FOI request or send in your query. We'll try to get it done by the Thursday. This was the Tuesday. Oh, now I've not gotten that information from government that I requested. Oh, that's going to take so much time and it's so much information and we got to go through some, but guess what? The case is done. The story is up. You know what I'm saying? So I had to go with what my sources told me. I could not rely. Unfortunately, I couldn't rely on, on, let me, let me see the source documents. Let me see the actual email because that process is so cumbersome to get a response from government and that includes a political arm via the civil service that i'm just like to hell with it we're going to put up what we know so we will talk to other sources and put the story together i support that because yes there is many times when you say government takes long to respond because maybe they don't want you to run the story that's probably the truth right Mm. but but i think it's also important that when you say the government who is the government? Well, I always try to distinguish, and I, I now more than ever, I try to say the civil service versus the political arm of government. Because I think when you use the term government very loosely, everybody exactly. is thinking the politicians. And I think exactly. it, is, it is our responsibility to distinguish between the two because they are very different. And like I said before, there are things that as a politician you can and can't do, and there are things that the civil service can and can't do. So um, just a couple comments, and then Jared has been patiently waiting, and so has Denny. Um, but hang on, um, Kenneth, we don't want you going anywhere. Ervalyn says CMR um, is the only one that gets things done around here. Sandy, don't drag her feet. Uh, Dean Shillette says if it was not for CMR, there will be no real news in Cayman. Some people may be taking it hard because you just won another court case. 
Um, Damien says um, he wants some updates on tourism and job fairs. So we will, I mean, recently we were asking the minister about that ourselves. So we'll get some more information, but we'll continue this conversation. Cameron says, um, you're going to have to raise your fees next election, Sandy. <laughs> uh, Jackie says, uh, they're no longer politicians. They're now ministers with government positions and have the power to advocate, talk and make and do changes and fulfill their promises. They have a voice inside of parliament. So very interesting um, perspective. Kimmy um, has a, a concern about mask in public. Priscilla says, um, that's a different query. We're just trying to stay on topic. So Moya says, Cayman Mall Road is the TMZ, Wendy Williams, the shade room at Perez Hilton of the Cayman Islands. It is the first platform that has combined both factual news with the talk show with live community commentary. She's taken the old concept of media in the Cayman Islands and elevated it to the 21st century. This is why Caymanians of all age groups are participating and using their voice. We wanted someone who could provide us with information that is happening with our community. And then that little bit there um, got cut off. So um, very, very interesting observations. Um, uh, Miss Moya, thank you for that. And um, Jared, what do you have to say? Yeah, morning, Miss Sandra. Can you hear me loud and clear this morning? Yes, my darling, I can okay. hear you. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, nobody can question your level of innovation because clearly this is what CMR is. You know, this is not the 1990s and the 2000s of, of media. You know, you have a different generation coming up, Generation Z, Generation Alpha, where we want things done expeditiously. In terms of whether the civil service is able to do that, most ministries, departments are able to do that. It's, it's, the, it's the lack of transparency and truth. So young people, if you're upfront with us and say, listen, something not running right and they're running right, we'll take that. But if you're going to hem and haw behind words put together perfectly and not really identify the truth, which is what CMR has been doing, we're going to take issue with it. Remember, we are the voters and what we think plays an important role. So when politicians or some ministers, councillors are a bit uncomfortable, you should be because the seat you sit in is not your seat, it's the people's seat. So when a board doesn't do its job, which you elected, which we voted you to put in, and we think the people you put in is incompetent, it does jeopardize your next election cycle. Now, at the current immediate, we're seeing things for what they are. There's a lot of issues in the interim right now, and we would like those solved. Why it takes so long? The young people don't have time for the stories. We don't have time for the Johnny Cummings Jared, story. Jared, Jared, but this is this is just in general. This just in general. There's not to no, shoot no, no, nobody. No. I, I agree with you, but again, here here we go with the lack of full understanding. Right? Let's just give, I give you an example. Jared, I don't know if you remember uh, a couple of months ago, about six months ago, I called in and said, Jared, keep on doing what you're doing. I think you're doing a good job. I like to see more Caymanians in journalism. So don't take this as a as a negative criticism, but uh, an examination of understanding, right? As I'm learning, you're learning. Cayman Road is learning. The country is learning. For example, you just said, um, "I'm I shall or minister shall be held accountable for the board that they select." <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. Because what they do, 
uh, will be a reflection of me. And you're 100% correct. Mm. But then, you, then we miss out the fact that the board cannot dictate to the director as to what to do. Their job is to hire that person. Mm-hmm. Now, right? So when that person is hired, the board can't say, okay, hire this person. The, the public authority's law only allows them to hire the director. That's it. Now that director's job is to do the rest of the things and report back. Mm-hmm. And then if they're not comfortable with what they have done, the only resource or, or um, 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 problem, that, the only thing they can do to resolve the problem is say, you're not performing well enough. Mm-hmm. We want the progression to move faster because these problems have been existing for so, so long, but you have failed to do so. Right. So again, again, understanding the process of how things work mm-hmm. tells a proper picture so people can understand what is at hand and how to solve the problem. So I just I just want you to see where the responsibility lies when these things are unresolved and, and how you resolve them, right? Not that I'm 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 not willing to accept criticism because I am I'm probably the, the, the one politician who will accept any criticism. That's my job. I understand. I was a former reporter. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be on that side. Yeah. So and let me, let me ask you one quick question in relation to that bit, um, Kenneth. I think you've explained it really well. And then we need to hear from Jenny, who's impatiently waiting. But does that then not mean um, that the appointment to the boards, this is why board appointments are so important, and it should be less about cronyism and friendship and returning um, political uh, favors as board appointments, and you should be appointing people who have a proven track record for excellence and action, and you know all of all all of those um, all of those elements. Because the board, the board themselves, the board members, and the chairman of the boards, they are the ones who will be reflecting and making decisions, especially when it comes to you know, government um, authorities, they're the ones who will be making you look good or look bad. So do you think twice, and this is a question for you now, when you appoint certain people to boards uh, and you make recommendations, I know you guys have kind of this collective process, and I must say, to give this government a little bit of credit, um, when it comes to board appointments, you guys have really taken your time with board appointments, more so than anybody else. And I understand that part of the reason why is that, you know, you've tried to um, look at boards very, very specifically to say, okay, who would be a, a good fit for this board? But there's some that we know are political appointments. There's no other way to explain some of the people that are on boards who are unqualified, you know, I don't even listen. It's it's ridiculous. Some of the people that are placed okay, in boards. Okay, okay, but if you're saying that their job is to run run the um, the government, say the port or any other um, SEMA, whatever, why are you all as elected officials not putting more qualified persons on boards? Okay, let me answer the question then. All right, fine. I accept that you want the best persons suitable for these places. And you're right. We took a very long time to try to get the best people available, right? So, but we're also tasked to put new people. Jared himself, remember, said, why not put more young people on there mm-hmm. um, who are qualified to do these things? How many people are qualified that are for, for that to understand the running of the port? Who is not in the business of something to do with port that would, they would be biased in? This is the problem that has not only for this administration, other administrations, because the, the next thing you put the old school people who've been there a long time, who understands the running of these various different authorities and committees and, um, and, and associations, um, 
But you say, oh, well, you leave the same old person there. The reason why they usually leave the same people there is because we have a limited resources of people who understand the area of responsibility that they have. So, yes, Jared said the other day, and I listened to him very closely, we should get rid of some of the board members mm -hmm. and put them back with some young people. Fair enough. I like the fact that I want more young people involved. But then the criticism will be, okay, this person doesn't understand it. They don't know what to do. So, I mean, it's, I just want us to recognize the delicacy of getting the right balance. And there's no such thing as the perfect balance, right? So, yes, the board is going to not always get it right, just like politicians don't always get it right. Mm -hmm. But what we do... Just is, like just like news houses don't always get it right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so, we, so, so, you know, Sandra, you know what's important today is the... the, the the dialogue about this, because more people will start to understand the, the nuances of every little thing and understand how things can get lost mm -hmm. or things are complicated and how we can't solve problems in a timely manner of the expectation. And I, I'm, I'm actually so happy about today's conversation because the more we talk about this, the better understanding the public has mm -hmm. and they can say, okay, I can, I can understand that or no, that's not enough for me. I'm going to hold you accountable. So the more information we talk about the running and the structure mm -hmm. of, of responsibility is best. Like say, for instance, the governor came on your show yesterday. Great mm -hmm. job, by the way, on that show. Really, really mm -hmm. good. You hear him emphasize the fact of politicians staying in line. Do we know that politicians are the, expect the expectation is you write policy and you stay out of the way? But yet the public's, pol public's expectation is, Kenneth, you are the minister. Go down there and fix that port. But if I go down there and say, listen, I mm -hmm. want this and this done, then I'm going to be told you're stepping out of your boundaries. Yes. You're not here to be getting involved. So, and, so and maybe maybe the, maybe the real mistake then, Kenneth, that you made with the port is when you weren't the minister promising the port workers that you could fix it? No, 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 no. no. I, I do not accept that. I do not accept that at all. Do not, I do not accept that. So do not do that because you no, don't know what I can No, no. No, you, what you're saying is I made promises that I cannot fulfill. I said I will fix the port. Mm -hmm. Now, I intend to do that, and I will do that. There's no questions about that. It will be done in a timely manner as per the protocols that are available to me, right? So the board, the board has already known, because I mm -hmm. said to them, when I was in the UK dealing with my sister's death, I mm -hmm. said, listen, I'm in the UK dealing with this nonsense. Something isn't right, fix it. Mm -hmm. I have the authority to do that. But you got to understand where the criticism is. So if the board does not continue to produce positive results, then I will remove the board. Well, I sure, I sure, I sure hope so, because Alinda says, when, when will it be fixed? She also <laughs> says Cayman Mall Road. She said Cayman Mall Road, uh, not learning. Sandra knows her work. That's why she's so successful. Cameron says, take your time, young lion. This is in to Jared processes and understanding. Uh, Melita says they're our future. They're like sponges. They suck up and hold everything in. They're not going to, um, they're not going to be us. Um, Dean Shalette says, sounds like we should be electing board members then and government workers rather than politicians. Damien also says, uh, what, who are the people and voters in this country? Pat, please remember that it's been one year and we need visionary solutions now in place or else we're going to see more serious downfalls in the next five to 10 years. So what I will say, and I can, Sandra, I can, Sandra, Sandra, can I say this to that? Yes. You know, as much as this may seem like a criticism this morning for, for, for myself and my, my, my colleagues, I'm mm -hmm. so glad this is said publicly because I want the governor 
the deputy governor and all the heads of civil service understand the expectation as that is politicians. Mm -hmm. So when they start to say, oh, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, I said, well, okay, we need to change the laws or the structure of governance because we cannot be held to account to get things done mm -hmm. at this pace of when you want to get it done. Well, someone it's, actually it's, did yeah, ask that. Someone did say, it's, "Can it's, you ask the?" Um, someone said, "Can you ask the honorable Brian this question? Given the honor, the honorable Bernie um, situation and the port, is it time for the policymakers, uh, the politicians, to amend the civil service laws and the authorities to allow a more collaborative way of running our business as opposed to the separation system?" But that's not. That's not the civil service law. That's actually in the constitution. And I can see why it's there because, you know, maybe we would end up with a BVI situation where the politicians are interfering with the civil service, which you don't necessarily want. Sandra, you don't understand the question that person just made. That's a serious question. You're talking about the governance and who runs this country, really. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a perception that the politicians you elect mm -hmm. are the people who run this country. We do not. We they, the ex expectation of us in the room is you write the division through your policy direction and you leave it to mm -hmm. us and we'll carry it through. But when it's not carried through, when it's not successful, we are the ones that go to the polls and say, this has not been done. Mm -hmm. but, but, but you don't want to say, and this is what politicians don't talk about the facts and the truth today. Here's what politicians don't want to do. They don't want to hold the civil service accountable. They don't want it because their civil service is the biggest voting block ever. And you do, then you're going to have mm -hmm. an awkward relationship within the building upon which you're, you're supposed to be the ministers of. But I'm well, not even, not even an awkward, um, let me say this much, not even an awkward relationship. A lot of politicians know that they can't rock the civil service and sometimes they're behind need to be rocked because they are the largest voting bloc in this country. When you think of them as a, as a direct organization and the extension of them and their families. So Yasmin says, Sandy, you're doing a great job. You have everyone ass on fire. Um, Cameron is asking about district councils. And um, also that our constitution is not worth the ink that it's printed on. Denny, you've been waiting ever so patiently. I think it's time that you had an opportunity to speak. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, when I asked the governor yesterday about this, the difference between the meaning of um, devolution and um, delegation, um, he finished up by saying that he didn't think that people would be too interested in this legal discussion. But as I listened to everything that you all said so far in this conversation, it boils down to whether or not the public properly understands the legal context in which we operate. And I'm going to begin to um, describe the problem, starting with a section of the Constitution. Section 31, subsection 3 says that when the governor is carrying out his responsibility as governor, he shall endeavor to look out for the interests of the Cayman Islands so long as those interests are consistent with the interests of the United Kingdom. Simply put, it doesn't matter what the politician promised you. It doesn't matter what you as a citizen aspires to. That section is saying that the UK will do whatever they feel like doing if it is in the best, if they think it is in the best interest of the Cayman Islands. And if you don't like it, well, that's essentially what that section is saying. And so 
a lot of this discussion is around particular questions when really those particular the reason why those particular questions arise is because the general question is being ignored mm. and what is the general question we're a colony okay and and if you don't think that the uk is serious about controlling then you ask yourself why would they have provisions in the constitution that essentially mean that the politician that you have voted for is working for them they're not the 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 way that the administering power sees it is this and here's the legal structure mm-hmm. the governor has the responsibility for the running of the Cayman Islands but what he has said yesterday and and I asked him the question because I wanted him to tell the public mm-hmm. that there is no difference between devolution and delegation because if I had told the public that there's no difference they wouldn't believe me so since he has clarified it here is the net effect of what he said yesterday he said that he's responsible for running the Cayman Islands mm-hmm. but since it's too much work for him to do alone he has to delegate the responsibility to certain segments of the civil service and to ministers of cabinet they'll have that responsibility mm-hmm. but he made it very clear that anytime he feels like taking back that responsibility he can okay so you you not work you not what the environment in which we're operating within is an illusion and the reason why it's layered in this way is because they believe that the that the majority of the public isn't sophisticated enough to understand what's really happening now stick a pin right there denny i needed to ask you a question do you believe the majority of the public is sophisticated enough to actually know what's happening i think that the public needs a lot of more understanding in for example administrative law mm-hmm. so your your short because answer would be they, no they are not actually <laughs> correct because, okay. because, but, right because what what it means is that when you walk into an agency of government mm-hmm. do you know what your rights are do you mm-hmm. know how to interact do you know what the processes are do you know that when some when a civil servant says to you Oh no this is the way you have to do it whether mm-hmm. or not you're being told something that's accurate that that's subject to certain administrative rules right and so the the point that i'm trying to make is that there is a person who tried to not only inform uh civil servants about um administrative law mm-hmm. he was interested in, in in teaching the general public about administrative law so that we could avoid a lot of the problems that are being talked about today because if an if a, a supervisor uh, or head of a department has a better appreciation of administrative law when they see a problem developing they're they're more likely to avoid that situation because if you know better and yet you've gone ahead and just ignored it and mm-hmm. got the trust the government in trouble then your job might be on the line right mm-hmm. and so and so the the point i'm making is this is that 
that what I find sad is that the person who who prevented that from happening mm-hmm. was the attorney general. Mm-hmm. He wasn't interested. And so what I'm trying to say is this is that there there uh, there's an agenda mm-hmm. uh, going on in the Cayman Islands that the average person don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not about their interest. In fact, you can't in, you can't accuse the United Kingdom mm-hmm. of deceiving you in any way. They actually have your blessing to work against your best interest because they told you in section 31, subsection 3, that it's all about their interest, not yours. And you gave it your blessing by voting to support that section of the Constitution. Uh, Sandra, if I can yes, because I have, I, have, I have a nine o'clock meeting that I'm already running late for, but I'm so happy the conversation went this far. And I want to close up by saying, Thank you, everybody, for, for chiming in. Mm-hmm. Jared, I love you. Thank you, Kevin. And thank you, Denny. But I just want to leave, by, and thank you, Sandra, as well, for, mm-hmm. for allowing me the opportunity to be on. Um, but I want to leave with asking Denny one thing. Obviously, you have a full understanding of the structure and the limitations as to the elected representatives of the people and the structure of our colony and our constitution. I just gave an explanation earlier about some of the problems that we have about ability to do certain things. And I'm not making excuses, but in your assessment of the structure, do you see where what I have said earlier is problematic and why there can be a misplaced understanding as to who can get things done, who can't get things done, or am I off in my thinking? Um, you're, you're not off. And the way I would describe it is that, all right, so... Mm, Politicians are the political layer of government. Mm -hmm. And the civil servants are the administrative layer, meaning that politicians will say, here is what we want done in form of law and regulation. And, And if you're a minister, certain policy things in relation to the operation of your ministry. Mm-hmm. And but the civil service is handed the task of carrying out those uh, or achieving those goals that have been put into the appropriations law. Because once the appropriation law is made, it's given to the deputy governor who hands it down to the heads of departments and says, okay, this is what you're tasked with achieving. Right, and and the government is responsible for, for providing the funding to to achieve it. Now, when it comes to making certain decisions mm-hmm. that 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 will shape the policy, the the chief officers will give advice to ministers. But this is one little wrinkle that I think doesn't get enough attention. Well, there, there's there's so many wrinkles min- out there, Denny. That's the problem. I, I know, but. The, the, this the govern the the minister is not required to take the advice of the chief officer. He's oh, I, I would disagree with you on that one because if we didn't take the advice from them, the governor will then put us in order. No, sir. No, sir. I'm telling you, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, I've been I, we've been all, many many of us have already been warned to say you can't do this, you can't do that. Let me finish my thought. Okay, sorry. That that is not accurate. The, the minister is required to receive the advice. He's not required 
to act on the advice in the same way that the minister can't tell the civil service what to do. The civil service can't tell the minister what to do. They can give advice about what he think what mm-hmm. they think the minister should do, but they can't make the minister or insist that the minister comply. And let me give you a little bit of evidence for that. When I was um, seeking to have the misuse of drugs law amended to allow for uh, medicinal cannabis. I encountered this very problem, okay? The chief officer at the time scolded me for what I said about it, but she was wrong, that that um, she was holding it up. And I was, you know, um, saying to the, to the government, what's going on with, why is this taking so long? Mm-hmm. And I come to realize that it was the chief officer who was holding it up because the chief officer felt, well, um, well, I won't go down that story. That mm-hmm. The point that I'm making is, is that she was giving the minister certain advice mm-hmm. and the minister acted against that advice. And, and the governor didn't disagree, didn't hold the government um, or say to the government at the time, oh, no, you can't do this because the government was acting appropriately. I mean, use it as an example just to say that the chief officer, you as a minister, you're required by law to receive the advice. You are not required to accept and act on the advice given to you. That's your right to make the decision about how you will solve the problem after you look at all of the issues, because the issues are wide from your perspective as a, as a minister. You have all of the considerations, some that are, that are not are ever going to be scientific in the true sense of the word. It's going to be, it's going to be practical because you affect people's lives Right. Then, if I if I can just add this, I, I think I think you you may be right in one sense as to policy. They can't tell you how to do the policy, but how to carry out that policy. So, for example, in my in our discussion about fixing the port, you cannot go down there and do it yourself. I agree. Would with you that. agree with that? Okay, yeah. that's my point. That's the point I was trying to make. To say you can say. Listen, we want action these things, but it's, you cannot physically go there and do it yourself. But the expectation as to you being able to go in there and say, I want to change this and I'm change that is that's not how the power structure works. And 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 I and, and this is why this is why subsection section thirty one, subsection three of the constitution is so important. Because when it comes to making decisions about what will be done. In turn, or, or the way in which things will be done, the Constitution says, well, it has to be in the best interest of the United Kingdom. But let me ask you this question. If we're in the Cayman Islands and the decisions that are being made are affecting our lives, why the hell should it be in the interest of the United Kingdom and not in our interest? <laughs> Sandra, I'm going to leave you guys. All Thank right. you so much, Benny. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I'm just- trying to listen via Facebook for the rest of the show, but I appreciate allowing me to be on. 
be happy to join, finish the conversation another time. Denny, mm-hmm. Kevin, Jared, Sandra, came on. I love you. Thank you so much. You right, thank you very much. Let's uh, grab a few. Um, and mind you, this was not our planned discussion at all. But one thing that we know here on CMR, folks, we go with the flow. We have the discussions, particularly on this show, that um, are organic and what the people want to hear in that moment. So not to worry. I know a lot of you were keen to hear um, the topic that we had scheduled, but we will definitely get to that topic next week. So Cameron says the biggest threat to democracy is an educated voting public. Well, I think the biggest threat to democracy is actually an uneducated voting public, to be quite frank. Uh, Damien says uh, colonialism mentality exists and is in control. Romelia says, why not appoint, uh, Romelia says, why not appoint a new board? Because if your workers aren't happy, how will the port be successful? So I think what the minister has said is that he's giving the board an opportunity to do their job. Now, does that mean that they will remain there for the next four years? And then at the end, and this is something I wanted to ask the minister, but we'll get to that another day, perhaps. Um, he said that, you know, um, he's, he's fixing it, right? And I know, that, listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. Rome wasn't burnt down in a day. And it certainly wasn't, well, it might've been burnt down in a day, but it wasn't destroyed in a day. It took, it took you know, generations of, of issues for it to get to that one critical moment in time. Um, there have been other political parties in power for many, many years. They've had at least um, eight years. So that's been two cycles. They hadn't fixed a lot of issues. So this government has a lot of work to do. So I'm not one to say everything has to be fixed within the first year, or even within the first four years. But there are some things that I do believe are a relatively easy fix. So, you know, I, I still have the port documents here. Uh, that were provided to me. And I see how how the history, and this is a story that I've been meaning to put up, but I see the history of the port issues date back a really long time. They predate any the current board for sure, um, although some remnants of this current board have been there for some 10 years. So I think that they needed to come off, but hey. Um, you know, a lot of these issues go back quite a ways, a lot of these complaints. Um, and the port employees have been making their their complaints known uh, to everyone practically that they could. And the fact that everyone has sat back and done nothing about it. And they, they say, this is their own words, that the only people that have done anything or the only person that has done anything about it is when Ms. Beth came in. And she did a, what would be considered a very simple thing. She amended their schedule, which is something they'd been complaining about in excess of five, six, seven years. And that alone brought a degree of satisfaction to the workers. Now, I understand that the board is undoing all of that as we speak. So, you know, I don't know how confident, I I mean, I think the minister is relatively confident in this board, but if I were him, I would not be confident that the issues at the port are going to get resolved with the current board that he has. So, uh, Romelia, Romelia, he might not be, he may not have come to that conclusion yet that they need to be removed. And that may end up being to his political detriment because we know them port workers, child, one thing they they know is Georgetown politics and they're all interconnected in the world of Georgetown politics. So we will see, we'll give them the four years and then we'll see what happens. Um, Sandra. Yes, sir. um, You, uh, the the discussion earlier about when, about the the character of, um, CMR and uh, the cold heart morality, thing. not even character. The morality of well, no, well, the character meaning meaning the the news element of your organization okay. and the, 
to the political opinion aspect of your mm-hmm. organization is something that I've always understood. Mm-hmm. Which, which uh, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. When you and I were talking about um, the virus, and I shared my views with you, you were you asked me whether I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't take you on on that because. I knew I was on a on a on a an opinion show, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, the purpose of calling is for me to tell you what I think, mm-hmm. right? Because I understand it's a political show. I mean, a, a an opinion show, mm-hmm. and and so <clears throat> you will have elements of your show that are hard facts, they're mm-hmm. news, they're indisputable, but most of the commentary that surround that news is opinion mm-hmm. and and that's the purpose of your show and and so what we need to do though is that we need people to actually understand because i've said on your show before that that people there people would say well there are two things you don't talk about and that's politics and religion and that's nonsense mm-hmm. that's total nonsense because it, what what politics means is you're talking about the interests of people. And so if you want to see things change in your country, what it means you have to do is be a part of the political process. Mm-hmm. And how you do that is by going to your representative. I use that term loosely because that term actually isn't in the Constitution anywhere. That now, Danny, I, I do have to pause you because we're going to be... Um ending this show here in just a few seconds on radio. So just a reminder to your radio listeners, we will continue the conversation on social media, but we wish you guys a wonderful weekend. Uh, we have to, to basically tap out at exactly 929 and 51 seconds. <laughs> so um, we wish you guys a wonderful weekend. If you wish to continue listening, you can jump onto YouTube or um, Facebook and we you know, are happy to um, engage you there. We still have 241 people on both of those flat platforms listening to the show, but to our radio listeners, have a safe weekend and we will see you guys on Monday morning. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. All right, folks. So welcome back. We will certainly be continuing the um, conversation here. Let me just say that um, the radio, like I said, we've got to be very precise in the starting and ending of the show because they've got their schedule set, right? So stuff will automatically trip in. And someone mentioned to me, which I didn't realize, because for the past month, I've been ending the show at 930 and I've been playing that outro music at 9.30, but I actually need to give it, I think that's like 30 something seconds. So I needed to do it at like 9.29 and 51 seconds as opposed to 9.30. So I'm trying to be very, very punctual about that. So Denny, thanks for um, for waiting. Okay. So the the public, uh, the, the way the system is set up is that the public is required to play a part if they wish for their... Um, aspirations to be have stand a chance of being represented in parliament 
But there's no obligation on the part of an MP to represent the wishes of the public. The, the reason why MPs are there from a legal perspective is to make a decision for you, not, not necessarily to represent you. It's good that Mr. Bryan emphasizes very strongly that he sees himself as a representative. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's good. But that's not a legal requirement. Okay. And so the, the point that I'm making. But in the real that, world, it's a requirement for him to be able to get reelected. Um, well, you might think so. But the truth of the matter is, is that that's why the double talk before elections mm-hmm. take place and them doing something different after. Um, Mr. Bryan has emphasized that he's a representative from the very beginning and he has kept that up. So that's an illustration that it doesn't have to be done the way that it has always been done. It can be done differently and it may take new people to bring it out. And I hope that what we get in the future is um, young blood with proper understanding, with the courage to deal with things. And I hope that this current government doesn't become afraid because of the comments of the governor about them and being in their place. Mm-hmm. Because they, they do have a, a constitutional responsibility to make policy because that's in section 43 of the constitution, the, the government, the cabinet is the one responsible. And unless he amends the constitution and takes back that responsibility, it is their uh, um, legal right to do so. All right, um, so, so stick, they, a, stick a pin. Um, Shereenbo says is in court today. Uh, yes, we are watching that case. That's actually this afternoon. But what is happening today, um, I got some clarification isn't the actual sentencing what will happen today is the legal arguments or the sentencing which will actually be at a different date so you know the court process child it's very very so everybody's keen to know there's two things in court today that we are keeping an eye on um that both of them will be having this so there's the tortuga robbery which everyone wants to know the final outcome of that and there's the one with miss laureen smith i believe is her name Um, and so that is the situation where she is accused of, um, basically stealing and abducting, abducting a child, uh, from Jamaica, you know, not her child. And so the, I think she ended up pleading guilty to that in the end. And so both of those cases will be going, um, will be arguing, the lawyers will be arguing the mitigating and aggravating circumstances, circumstances for the judge to then consider, um, at a later date, what the sentence will be. So the likelihood of us sort of reporting anything much out of those today is probably nothing because I think people want to know what the final final situation is going to be. All right. So, um, Denny, a question for you. So, but thank what, you, Rainbow, for the reminder. Um, Kevin? Right before, I, I got to jump off. I have to, to run away. But wonderful. hope mm-hmm. everyone have a fantastic weekend. Be sure to watch the buzz tonight to catch your actual news as well as the weather report. Right. So, weekend, you see, you know, the CMR daily buzz is straight news. Absolutely. No opinions, just straight news. <laughs> so, tune in. Tune into that with Misha. 
All right. Take care, everyone. Have a great All right, weekend. Kevin. Have a safe weekend. Um, Al says Cayman politicians had no power. Well, I think they have power, but uh, they may not have power to do certain things. So Cameron is asking Denny about your opinion in Section 119 of the Constitution. Um, Jared, uh, Melita wants to know when you're going to be running. <laughs> Cameron says... Uh, big case going on. Spill the tea. Oh, don't worry. We'll 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 keep you all updated in all these cases. Uh, Belika says an MP is a representative and not a delegate in terms of constitutional law. So legally, he or she is not bound by the opinions of the constituents. Though there may be a political cost if you say, as you say, Sandra. Oh yes, well there would definitely be a political cost, Jill. That's without a doubt. Um, Shanley says, wish we had something like young MPs per district selected to be the voice of young people under the MPs because uh, when shit hits the fan, it's us that's going to land on. They address our concerns in these meetings um, who would probably give us a better understanding on the barriers to such as well. So that's actually not a bad um, suggestion, Shanley um, or Shanley. My apologies for mispronouncing that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it couldn't be like an official thing because you're already, you've already got 19 representatives that y'all paying a lot of money for. So you couldn't have them be like, you know, constitutionally hired in that. But it wouldn't be a bad idea for the government to find a way, district councils, people have been mentioning those, but to encourage more um, citizenry involvement in the entire political and constitutional and, you know, just the entire process. And I think it has to be um, that people are, are concerned about these issues. So a lot of young people seem to have this pervasive attitude that they don't care. <coughs> Sorry. And they're not concerned what happens so much, so much so that a lot of them won't even get registered to vote. So I think that they have to definitely be engaged and they have to be, um, interested. I, Jared has also got to go, and we are in a little bit of, into overtime, so we are going to be wrapping up this show here in any event. But Jared, um, thank you as usual for um, joining us, and we wish you a safe and happy weekend. You're still overseas, right? Yes, I'm still in the beautiful maple country known as Canada, but have a good weekend, Sunday. Um, yeah. All right, Jared. Take care. All right, so... Um, Jess says, thanks, Kevin. Have a good weekend. Yes, Kevin is an integral part um, of the CMR team. Like they said, they, they, they work a lot of times very, very silently um, behind the scenes. But yeah, Anthony, I agree that district councils, we've been waiting for that to happen. And I think that's, that's one of the things that this government had better deliver on. Or else it ain't going to be good. So uh, we are still waiting I told you guys it's been over a year now that they've been elected and we are still um, waiting on some information um, that would be useful for us to be able to do an analysis of, um, you know, what they've accomplished in the past year. Um, I get that they have a lot of work, but sometimes the delays that we encounter are done, um, you know, to their own detriment. Now, here's a bit of breaking news. So you've got to be able to distinguish people when something is news, straight news, and when it is uh, opinion or commentary. So this is a PSA, public service announcement from the HSA. The urgent care and hospital pharmacy are going to be closed this weekend for maintenance. So the health services authorities urgent care clinic 
and the Cayman Islands uh, Hospital Pharmacy will be temporary close, temporarily closed this weekend from May the 7th through the 8th to require facility maintenance. During this time, persons with non-emergent illnesses will be seen at the Jack General Practice Clinic on Smith Road. So that's at the Smith Road Medical Center. That's 150 Smith Road. The hours are from 8.30 a.m. until 1 p.m. The urgent care clinic is going to resume regular hours on Monday morning starting at 8 a.m. Now, the pharmacy is going to be closed on Saturday and Sunday. So if you um, have, I guess, an emergency situation, you can visit the new Smith Road Pharmacy location from 9 a.m. until 5.30 p.m., so that's the hospital pharmacy, and they're going to resume regular hours on Monday starting at 8 a.m. All right. Denny, any final thoughts before we end the program today? Yeah, there's a reason why the um, district councils haven't been um, implemented. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, politicians, for the most part, want to uh, remain the, um, the main focus. And the, the idea behind um, the district councils would create a degree of separation between the politicians themselves and the public because you would be going to this council and giving your views there and then it would get filtered up. So it's kind of creating some distance and mm. um, that's not desirable for well I, I think I think what's gonna happen this is just my opinion about district councils I know we have a lot of hope for them but I think probably what's gonna end up happening is they're gonna be like board appointments it's all gonna be you know your political lackeys um, your friends your political allies that you put into these positions are people who themselves will then jump up in the next election and want to run and compete against you because they think because they sat in a district council, they then have all the answers. So I can see the downfalls of the district council. And I think a lot of people are so hopeful that that's going to be the golden egg. That's going to be the answer. And quite frankly, I think it's kind of like the one man, one vote. It's you, you don't always see what's coming until it's upon you. Right. So I think that district councils has the possibility to be something wonderful and something great. And equally, it also has the possibility to be um, quite a quite a distractful and atrocious situation that's going to be costing the people of this country money and probably cause cost um, cause more friction and more division. Well, what, what we need, what we actually need is to to really address the issue of who are who when things are done by government in whose interests are they done mm. the, you see the, the because what is actually happening if you step back from the situation and you look at it what what's actually happening is that the issues of the concerns of, of the public are not being addressed in a timely manner why mm -hmm. Because somebody else's interest is being looked at. And is, is that going to change with district councils? I mean, what makes anybody uh, think no, that district councils no, is going to be no. any more um, efficient? No, it, that won't change because what you're actually talking about is the integrity of the individual. Mm. It, it's not, it's not, it's, it's like, that's like saying, well, if I just had a, um, let's say, if I had a gun, I could actually do something bad with it. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to allow you to have a gun, right? 
and and as if the only thing that can be done with a gun is a bad thing. Mm. No, it's not the instrument. It's it's like actually you made a good point earlier. I'm glad you said what you did. Um, you're not just a, a blog, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's that's constantly thrown around, actually, you've said it a couple of times, is is don't pay attention to people on YouTube videos. To which my response is, okay, I won't listen to government's broadcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not the medium that's mm-hmm. irrelevant. It's it's who is doing an act with the medium. That's what matters. So it's about the person's integrity, not the medium. Mm-hmm. And, and so what you said about district councils, of course, it has the potential to go wrong and it has the potential to go right. And the decisions that we have to make as a country is what kind of future do we want for our uh, children? What kind of present do we want for ourselves today? And do we have the courage to do the things that are necessary to achieve those good outcomes? Because there's, there's, you have to do one out of two things. You either have to do whatever is appropriate and necessary to achieve the good outcome, mm-hmm. or you just do nothing and accept whatever the outcome is. But you're not going to be in between. Right? right, you might have a mixture of, or depending on the subject. Right, on a per subject basis, you're doing one out of two of those things. Mm-hmm. And we need people like like the example when the it said that the public needs to help the police. Mm-hmm. Okay, you need to have the courage to do what is necessary. Right, you're not going to get a system that is going to be able to protect you while you hide in the closet. Exactly. Or, or more importantly, while you're hiding the criminals in the closet. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Yes. And so what that means, the consequence of that is that we will have a a decreased quality of life because crime will increase Mm -hmm. because we're too afraid to deal with it. Anyhow. Thank you, Denny. Appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Bye. All right, Alric Lindsay says under the Constitution, uh, the Cayman Constitution, district councils are described as advisory bodies to the elected members of parliament. Does advisory mean that the MP might sit and listen, but doesn't have to take the advice? Of course, that's exactly what it means. <laughs> you have, there's no advice that you have to take. Even when you hire a lawyer, child, your lawyers will give you advice, but you don't have to take your lawyer's advice. Um, so I believe that's exactly what it means. Means. Uh, Shan Lee says there's already a separation because we're still scratching our heads with these approvals. Like, what are all these high-rise property developments and Caymanians can't get land to put on a little house? Melita says this is a great segment this morning. Thanks, CMR. I personally feel like a true Caymanian that uh, we're starting to finally be heard. Anthony says, totally, and the involvement has been great. Get involved. So, folks, thank you guys so much. Like I said, I know the conversation was not a planned conversation. Marva, I missed this comment, says, a wise man once said in 2019, or 2009, sorry, that until the Constitution was properly reviewed and revised, it's not in the best interest of the Cayman Islands, and it will one day uh, wreck the country. That's why I never voted for the Constitution. 
Well, it continues to evolve. It's gone through certain revisions uh, more recently as well as we move forward. But folks, um, don't, do not worry. The discussions that we had on tap for today, we will have, um, you know, we just follow the natural flow of the conversation. There's a few things initially that I wanted to discuss. Uh, there, there is so much to be discussed in this country. Like I swear, this show could easily be a three hour show, except I'm a busy person. <laughs> And I do have a lot of, uh, you know, it takes a lot to to give you more than just talk radio, right? Because that's not all we do. Um, you know, some people talk about other people who have a talk show. And I'm like, yeah, but that's all they do. We actually are producing news. We're doing special segments. So Kevin and Misha are working on the health, the mental health segment for a couple months now, which is really, really important, I think, to us um, as part of this community. Uh, we've got, like, I've got an interview that I need to sit down and do with the deputy governor over his most recent report. So there are lots of things, folks, that we um, have on tap that we're always working on behind the scenes for you. And then at the same time, I'm constantly getting messages from people um, that, you know, we're, we're trying to help. So there's a man this morning, for example, who can't get his cynical card from NAU. So now I have to go and email NAU and say, uh, can you please contact this person and get, get the man sorted out? Like, what's the issue? So, you know, I get those sorts of things every single day that in the background, that's not, it isn't my job. It's not what I'm paid to do, but it's part of the service that uh, I feel is necessary for me in this community. Because I, I do have a voice that I suppose people listen to whether they like it or not. And so when you get an email from me, you might be more inclined to pay attention to that. Or if you get a phone call or whatever from me, you're more likely to pay attention to that than other, than other people. Sometimes even more so than the politicians, you know? So I try to use that for good um, and to really assist people who have exhausted their ability to get anything done. There was another lady trying to find out about her government pension and she'd been messaging them and not getting any response. I said, all right, I'll email them for you. And people are always shocked. They're like, Sandy, girl, you email them by 12 o'clock and by one o'clock I got a response. So it is what it is. Um, you know, if you don't understand what we do here at CMR, I think if you paid a little bit of attention, I suppose if you cared to pay attention, you'd kind of get it. But you don't have to. Like I said, I'm I'm not offended if you don't get it. I'm not offended um, if you don't care to get it. But I do think that sometimes when you make commentary, I do want people to try to think about different elements of the commentary and to try to be as accurate as they can if they wish to be fair and balanced. The same thing that they sometimes accuse us of um, in their negative comments of us, they're actually not being fair and balanced. So Cameron says CMR is the closest thing to district at national council. Thanks, but we need more. Have a good weekend and enjoyed the show. Thank you so much, Cameron, and everybody else who tuned in this morning. Uh, please be safe on the roadways, folks. Uh, you guys will know that things are just crazy out there. Um, and, you know, slow down. This is a, a busy weekend. There's Badabanu this weekend. There will be a lot of drinking at that function for sure. But please do not drink and drive. Uh, don't kick off any fights or anything at Badabanu. Just have your, your clean, dirty fun right? Y'all know what I mean, because y'all gonna be out there in your little skimpy skimps and gyrating, whatever. Have clean, dirty fun. Do you and have a good time, but don't harm anybody. Don't get into no foolishness. 
Um, men, you'll be drinking a lot of alcohol. You don't, don't gyrate too much in women that you don't know. And if a woman tells you to back off or she doesn't like you or she says no, please respect that as well. Because next week we're going to talk a, a, a little bit about some of these rape cases um, and uh, rape allegations that are happening in our community because we've had a few uh, just this week as well. Thank you, uh, Lady uh, Demas. She says, the Lord cover you, Sandy. I appreciate that. You guys have a fabulous weekend, folks, and we will see you, God's willing, on Monday morning, bright and early at 7.30 a.m. Peppermint Sorrel. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays. OMG, where are my manners? Everybody out there, happy Mother's Day. I forgot to wish all of the mothers out there an absolutely wonderful Mother's Day. Um, make your your loved ones cook you breakfast and bet child. My five-year-old is already like, Mommy, I've got a great idea. This is what she said to me. I have a great idea, and I, I, I think you're going to like it. Before we go to Mother's Day brunch, how about if you got breakfast and bed? And I was like, girl, bring it on. I'm all for it. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cold Hard Truth on Bobo 89.1 FM. Cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7.30 a.m. Never miss an episode again. Watch anytime on CMR's Facebook and YouTube channels for the latest show episodes. Don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit CaymanMarlRoad.com for all the latest news and community happenings. 